Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Weekends are a good time to escape to the woods. Unless the weekend begins with Friday the 13th. Because 13 is an unlucky number. But out here, so are 1 through 12. Because these are Jason's woods. And nobody leaves them alive. Friday the 13th, part 3 in 3D. Jason, you can't fight him. You can't stop him. And now, you can't even keep him on the screen. Friday, the 13th, part 3 in 3D. Now, when it comes to killing in Jason's woods, Jason will come to you. Friday, the 13th, part 3 in 3D. A new dimension in terror. It will scare you. Count on it. to you. It is two minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of March in the year of our Lord, 2009. Live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for joining us today. We are here downtown uh, Portland, Oregon, and uh, it is Friday. So thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. If you would like to join us today, 503-733-2970. 970. If you'd like to be part of the uh, program, telephonically speaking, it's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at 970.am. Richie with a T at 9... What did I say, 970? You said 970 twice now. It's because I was trying to do a thing. Because I thought you were looking... I thought you were shooting me a look about something that was coming up later on in this hour. No. I wasn't even looking at you. (laughs) Quit looking at me. (laughs) I wasn't. Uh, Well, let's forget I said 970. Don't even start blaming me that you start saying 970. No, no, no. I said, I, Sarah and I, you should know that Sarah and Tim and I are all in one room here. And there's a lot of radio programs that have this thing called a talkback where it's like a closed circuit feed right into your headphones. And we don't really have that because we're all in one room, which is great because it'll, you you know, we're sort of here and we have kind of the organic vibe of all being in one room. But because of that, we have to do everything with just sort of like a raised eyebrow or ever like a, like a slight cock of the head, which indicates, you know, which speaks volumes, which indicates that maybe something is going on. I think out of my peripheral vision, somebody just went to scratch their nose, and I immediately thought that something, the, the jig was up somehow, that something had gone, had gone wrong. So then my brain was trying to simultaneously 
figure out whatever that meant and give the email address, and then it all became disaster. Doesn't matter. Should we try the email addresses again? We're going to fix this later, and it's going to sound fantastic. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. If you'd like to email, you can do that. It is rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at kufo.com. Richie with a T at kufo.com. Or Tim at kufo.com. It's going to be a fantastic day. And here's how you know, because I got two things right here. One is the information about Katie Sackhoff, who's going to be at the Baghdad tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, tonight, Battlestar Galactica's Katie Sackhoff will be at the Baghdad with Court and Fat Boy. It is the penultimate episode of Battlestar Galactica tonight. Um, she's going to be there at the Baghdad. There's going to be a Q&A hosted by Court and Fat Boy immediately following tonight's episode, uh, starting at 9. Wait a minute. So is it a two-hour episode tonight? This is, is so it confusing. Like the, is it the season finale or something? No, I think the Q&A... This is all kinds of grammar going on here. We'll join in a Q&A hosted by Court and Fat Boy immediately following tonight's episode starting at 9. We're going to look into this later and figure out exactly what that means. But it doesn't really matter because you ought to be there like five anyway because there are no live people actually coming from Ireland for this. I, mean, I drove by the Baghdad this morning and I swear I saw a line already. It is going to be like a full-on nerd fest. I mean, you just have no idea. It's so she's like the, the hot chick or something from Battlestar Galactica, right? Mm-hmm. Sarah, it's not just that she's attractive. She's also a strong female role model. So uh, let's not be dismissive. She's uh, but yeah, Like she, Rihanna? She placed exactly like Rihanna. She's the Rihanna of outer space. Um, it, 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 she really is. Just, and she's from uh, St. Helens, first of all, which is fantastic. I thought you were going to say she's from St. John's. No, no one's from St. John's, Tim. I mean, really, no one that we need to care about. Let's just be honest about that. Uh, so Katie Sackhoff is from St. Helens, and she's on Battlestar Galactica, and she's hot, and she's you know a great actress and, and all that. Anyway, but m- most importantly, she's going to be here tonight. So that is at the Baghdad tonight with Court and Fat Boy following tonight's episode. So the episode plays, and there's a Q&A uh, with Court, Fat Boy, and Katie Sackhoff. And, of course, it's free, but you got to get there early. And I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, it's going to be like dorks from 10 counties coming. So you, uh, I would not be surprised. I was talking to Sarah about this last night, and I said that I wouldn't be surprised if there was a line at like 4 p.m. I mean, maybe even before that. How many people does that place seat? Yeah, several hundred, but I mean, several hundred people for, I mean, she's a huge, I mean, she's an A-list star. I mean, she's a big deal, not just in the world of sci-fi, but especially in the world of sci-fi. I mean, it's like getting the, it's, you know, it's like getting the, uh, Carrie Fisher there, but not, not like fat, wrinkly, how, like I'm yeah, in, I'm yeah, in I'm a nutcase. I'm bad she looks. <laughs> I'm yeah. talking about Katie Fisher. I mean, <laughs> Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. <laughs> yes. Not on a, not on a boy, I'm puffy and I reek of bad gin and I failure. I have a head like Wait. Jerry Lewis now. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, I accidentally married a gay man. Oh, sorry. All right. No, no, no. Uh, so she's like hot 1977 uh, Carrie Fisher. So that is wow. Katie Sackhoff. Oh, I totally tonight. recognize her. Yeah, she's, I mean, it really, and you know, that show is, we're coming right down to it, my friends. Uh, so Battlestar Galactica tonight, and then next Friday is the final episode of that. So you want to be there at the Baghdad tonight. Uh, so we'll talk more about that. So we got uh, that coming up. That's that's part one of how you know it's going to be a fantastic show. Part two. We've got prepared jokes. They just came off the printer in the back room. Chris <laughs> Paddock gave me several pages of morning show jokes. Thank you, Chris Paddock. That is amazing. Would you like to read one now, Tim? Uh, yes. Please, please. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the next sound you hear uh, will be the sound of prepared comedy sent to us here at Rock 101 KUFO by Persons Unknown. Tim, what is that comedy? Joke number one. Bernard Madoff is now in jail. What a smooth talker. He's only been in 24 hours, and he's already taking his cellmate's deposits. 
Wow. All right, there you go. Cube That's page uh, one of six. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here all morning, possibly. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, live here in Portland on Rock 101 KUFO. If you'd like to get a hold of us today, it is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Also coming up today, Aaron Geek in the City. Duran will be in the studio. Uh, we're going to talk about, well, there's that Miss March movie, which is coming out today. Um, I think we have some sound bites from that. And he's going to, normally our friend Don Taylor from Film.com holds down the DVD release, but Aaron's going to be talking about DVD releases today because what came out on Tuesday is Tales of the Black Freighter, which is a direct-to-DVD, not really a spin-off, but it's it's based, you know, if you've read the Watchmen graphic novel, it's a sort of story within a story, which they put out as an animated standalone feature on DVD this Tuesday, and they've also got a 60 Minutes documentary-style uh, adaptation of Under the Hood uh, from Watchmen. So that came out on Tuesday. So Aaron Duran will be in the studio later on. We'll talk to Peter Carlin from The Oregonian today. And today's top five, the top five saddest TV theme songs of all time. That's, uh, which has already caused all kinds of... I'm going to say it's discord. It's, just, it's one of those things where, as they say in The Wire, I thought it was one way, but it was the other way. I had the top five all put together last night, and then I sent it off to Paddock, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm missing one on the top five, because we do five and an honorable mention. And I said, I'm missing one song here. What do you think? You know, what is, what is the one song I'm missing? And he sent back like nine songs that I hadn't even considered. So now it's like I'm all just sullen and besmirched about the whole thing. So that's coming up later on. We'll do the top five most depressing TV theme songs of all time. And another installment of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. Plus we've got uh, Ask Rick Emerson a Question, which he will fail to answer and then turn over to the audience. That's coming up as well. We are joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, and how are you today? Hi, I was just looking up Katie Kitsakoff, and I know where I know her from. Where? From the Lifetime movie 15 and Pregnant, starring Kristen Dunst. Excellent. I've was never seen the, that. Was she the supportive best friend? Was she the friend who ran with the fast crowd that told Kirsten Dunst it was fun to have fast kicks and cheap thrills and to get impregnated? I believe so. I can't remember if that was her or if she was one of the ones in the pregnant school with Kirsten Dunst because Kirsten Dunst got sent away from pregnant school from the from the normal school to go to the pregnant school for Pre- for slutty teenage moms. Pregnant school sounds like the least appealing teen sex comedy of the eighties. What's this? It's a uh, pregnant school. It's uh we're right down, right down the road from oh, it's from terrible. Amish weekend. Oh no, and Kristen Dunst is like really young and totally weird looking in it. Okay. It's amazing. You'll have to. My my sister actually has it on VHS. Um, you should point that out to Katie Sackoff uh, tonight at the Baghdad. No, 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 no. Fifteen and pregnant. I loved you in fifteen During and the pregnant. Question and answer period. That, you, should, you should totally get up there and throw that right out. I have a question about you in fifteen and pregnant. Um, if you can answer this question in three parts, that would be fantastic. All right, wonderful. And I'm totally going to do that. <laughs> I'm to- I'm, here's the thing is I'm going to make it a point of pride every time we get anybody on uh, of any sort of stature to just ask them about something that nobody else has asked them about in probably 10 to 12 years because, you know, they just get tired of answering the same crap over and over again. I mean, you see any number of celebrities interviewed and somebody asks a question and it's like in their head you can just see the unspooling of the answer that they've already given 7,000 times where she says... Well, I feel like we're really a different show than the original Battlestar Galactica. I think we've really got a unique vision, and Glenn Larson obviously had 
a very definitive way he wanted to tell the story. And, wah, 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 wah. and meanwhile, all the guys in the audience are just wondering what she'd look like in a neoprene suit. So, uh, so when we th- so you talked to Katie Salkoff, you mentioned uh, 15 and pregnant. Uh, we, we may be talking to Batman's Adam West next week. I'm going to be asking Adam West about Maxim Zool, which is a movie he made in like 1991 that no one has ever seen but me and Clyde. Maxim Zool. The leading Maxim actor, can we play a bunch of uh, Family Guy Adam West clips? Yes, we can, Sarah Dillon. <laughs> All right. How did everybody sleep last night? Two and a half hours. Good for you. Sarah? About four hours. Excellent. But then I took a nap yesterday I afternoon. took a nap yesterday afternoon, too, for two hours. I took two hours. Here's so the thing. four and a half hours of sleep. And if you were to sort of put us all together and then just get the median amount of sleep, we're almost one well-rusted person today, so it's going to be fantastic. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification on this Friday. Lawmakers are thinking about a bill allowing the state to take over the growth and sale of medical marijuana. Nike's Phil Knight may have lost $2 billion dollars but he moves up to 52nd place in Forbes magazine's richest people in the world. 45% of the world's wealth has been destroyed. <laughs> like by uh, accident? I guess so. What's this button? <laughs> oh, God damn, I destroyed half the world's wealth. <laughs> that was funny. That's what I do, Tim. You know, that didn't come off, a, uh, that didn't come off the printer, but it's still mildly it's gonna amusing. It's going to be on next Mondays. I'm going to submit it. Uh, Howard K. Stern is charged with beating Anna Nicole Smith drugs. A TriMet rider wins a court case against broken ticket machines. Hurrah for her. A foot fetish bandit goes on trial for sucking women's toes against their wishes. And monkeys learn to floss with human hair. (laughs) Hello, Friday. In your face, everybody who's not listening to us. Oh, that's wonderful. I love this show. It is 503. That is the last phrase I put it here today. It's 503-733-2970. That's why I get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to do this. Thank you, Tim Riley. I wouldn't do it for anybody else. Uh, Just a couple quick bits of business here, and then we'll take a break. Uh, We'll come back uh, around the corner. Coming up inside this hour, speaking of Bernie Madoff, uh, we're going to be talking to Steve Kastenbaum from CNN Radio, New York City. Did you watch anybody? Did anybody watch Anderson Cooper last night? Yes. Let me just say this. First of all, Anderson Cooper, just, we were talking earlier in the program about how sometimes we will communicate in this room with just sort of a slightly raised eyebrow or an inquisitive look, which is Sarah's way usually of saying, you're like 14 minutes behind and nobody cares about what you're saying. We've got to take a break. Come on, let's get with it. Anderson Cooper does exactly the same thing where he'll just get just the tiniest glimmer in his eye and you can tell what he's thinking about whatever's happening on the screen. But let me just, so I'm watching the last of this thing about Bernie Madoff where sticking in a hole somewhere because he stole like $50 billion. And I'm not saying he ought to be doing that. Like, for the record, Rick Emerson is opposed. As they say in New England, I- I'm again that. It- you shouldn't be doing it. But I-, I swear to God, I almost pulled the audio to bring in today. Within the space of seven minutes last night, and this is and these are direct quotes. I'm not exaggerating. I wrote this down. I put this into my BlackBerry and sent it off to myself immediately. Within seven minutes last night, the following things were said on CNN about Bernie Madoff. One. He is second only to the Nazis. That was actually said by Anderson Cooper himself. Holy crap. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I think they were talking about the amount of dollars right. the, that were the stolen. Of dollars. That, was, that was said earlier on CNN. It was but just. I, but I don't remember by whom. It's just one of those things that you sort of. You, heard, you kind of hear that sort of phraseology Nazis reference. Nazis means really bad. <laughs> yes, it does, Tim. Nazis doesn't mean good. So he's second only to the Nazis. And then later on, we had this. This was in the space of about 30 seconds. Both of these things. You know, Anderson, Bernie Madoff is worse than a child molester. Followed almost immediately by, you know, in prison, he's going to be worse than the guy that makes kitty porn. 
So there you go. So if you were looking for, you know, some sort of a, yeah. some if, sort of an unlikability hierarchy, there you go. The thing is, if you do something wrong in L.A., it's kind of bad. If you do something wrong in New York, you're, you've really had it. All right, we will uh, do this. We're going to come back here in a, uh, a few moments with your phone calls later on. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, the top five most depressing TV theme songs of all time and more whimsicality. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Yes, it is. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program at 503-733-2970. Just ahead, news with Tim Riley. Still to come today, the top five most depressing TV theme songs of all time. We'll talk about Battlestar Galactica. Katie Sackhoff will be at the Baghdad tonight with Court and Fatboy. We'll do afternoons here on Rock 101 KUFO. And Aaron Duran will be here to talk about the Watchmen directed DVD release, Tales of the Black Freighter. Freighter, Freighter, Freighter. This, however... From New York City, he's CNN radio correspondent and stylish man of the world, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. You know, I didn't realize the show was going to start start at 5 a.m. every day. That's an early start for you guys. You know, the Rick Emerson program, we're not the dilliers nor dalliers uh, here. We are out of the gate early and ahead of time, sir, because we are here to give the people what they need. I'm very impressed by your dedication to the craft. Well, as well you should be. I mean, we don't like to brag about it. It's a thing that we like. We like to think that we convey our genius with a sort of subtle, understated kind of punch. Uh-huh. So how are you feeling now? <laughs> like I throw that out there and like just, just like an undercooked matzah. It just sits there. Um, <laughs> we are we are feeling uh, we are feeling fan, uh, fantabulous about things. So uh, I, uh, I will say this, that it's it's. It is times like this when you move, and again, I know there's a lot of people in the world who have to get up early and they have to get out there and they get at, get at it. And whenever we are sort of not even really complaining, but whenever sort of kind of grumping about, oh, I don't know, I had to go to bed early because I had. Do you believe I had to get up early in the morning to go to work? And there's a whole chorus of people out there who are the either a in a job where they have to get up early and go to work like every day and half forever, or b don't have to get up because they are, in fact, unemployed. And neither of those groups really cares to hear us, like, bitching and moaning about it. So we're not really doing that a whole lot. I will just say it's just a matter of body clocks because we've been, we've been acclimated to getting up and being on the air at 11. And now we're on the air six, yes, six hours earlier. But it does make you appreciative of cable television because part of my whole routine has been watching go home and I watch, uh, uh, you know, CNN. I watch Anderson Cooper do whatever, you know, get the office watch, whatever it is that's on my TiVo. But you you appreciate that East Coast feed. So I was able to go home and get the, all of that stuff done at around 6 o'clock last night. So it was almost like I had a life. I mean, I don't. But it was like a recreation of a life, like an artist's rendering. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm mulling that over in my head because I'm, I'm thinking about my life and you know, the uh, early hours and, and when I get to do that stuff. And I realized, like, uh, I stopped watching TV the way I used to when I started working the early morning hours, and I'm not sure if I really miss it at all. It was all worth it last night, by the way, on Anderson Cooper to A, here, I was just talking about this uh, in the first segment, we had the Bernie Madoff story yesterday where they were, I swear to God, within about nine minutes, they compared him to a Nazi, they compared him to a guy who makes kitty porn, and then they compared him to a child molester by saying, quote, He's worse than a child molester. And a lot of these statements came from this guy. He had, it was sort of like you'd taken an egg and given it sunglasses and a bad Van Dyke. And it was some guy with some sort of a, so you're going to prison sort of analyst who talks about, you know, what it's like to go to the big house for the first time. So I would imagine Bernie Madoff's going to have a, uh, a bit of a bad time of it. I would really love to know what his first night in jail was like last night because the judge rescinded his uh, house arrest bail agreement and sent him right to jail as he awaits 
his sentencing on June 16th. And, uh, man, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall there just to watch because, you know, he is, without a doubt, the most vilified man in New York right now is not in the entire United States. And the people outside, his victims, just lined up one after another to get in front of the cameras and, and, and say what they really thought of this guy. Um, my favorite one was the woman who, uh, you know, lost her life savings and just flat out kept saying over and over again, I hope he burns in hell. Over and over. There ought to be some sort of a reality show where they will mitigate part of your sentence. Like maybe you can get, uh, you get, the, you get a larger cell, or you get like uh, money for the canteen or something, or maybe you get a little time off. But be, you know, in exchange for that, they got to film and/or mic your first. Oh, I would say seventy-two hours in the joint. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you and you're not going to get any special treatment. I mean, you're, you're not going to get. They're not going to give you some sort of expanded living quarters or anything. They're just going to implant some sort of a microphone or a camera on you, like a lipstick camera, up in the corner of the cell, yeah. and then everybody just sort of gets to watch it. And I bet that would be. I mean, that might be sort of this generation scared straight. Hey, that might be a great way to make back some of the uh, $60 billion-plus that are unaccounted for. You know, like charge people to go on and watch Bernie Madoff in his jail cell. Ooh, so let's watch Bernie Madoff bleed in the shower. You know, and then it'd be like fourteen ninety-nine a month or something. I'd pay that, I think. I think that's a great way to at least make back some of the money that was lost. Like well, a Bernie cam? Exactly. Yeah. Here's, because here's the thing. And you call it, wait, no, no, it would be like... Burn in hell, bur burning in hell, burning in hell. There's something there. It, it, somebody help B E R N, yeah. And somebody once uh, once told me that no matter what idea you have, no matter how strange it sounds, no matter how out there or socially unacceptable any of your ideas may be in terms of radio or television or any sort of creative endeavor, you write them all down, you put them in a book, because the day will come when the American public will gladly pay to watch that. See, well, I mean, you know, I think back to uh, remember Amy Fisher and the Long Island Lolita. Yes, I do. Uh, Joey Buttafuoco, that whole deal. Um, when she was in some upstate prison in New York, somebody videotaped her, like in the in the prison gym or something like that, and she was just talking with some prison guard. And I don't even remember if there was anything, you know, really scandalous done on, on the videotape. They were just sort of talking, and uh, there was, you know, the conversation might have been sexual in nature, but that video was was like so popular and watched by so many people uh, on TV and at the time and and was played over and over and over again. So you're right, people are fascinated with well, that. And the weird thing is that we're in such a flood of that now, you can't even really keep track of things. Didn't Amy Fisher put out a full-on sex tape last year and not like a yep. uh, not like a secretly taped one where there was some guy with a red light that was stuck back in his closet or something while they're getting it on. It was like an actual it was an actual commercial endeavor, like she and some guy are humping it out, and then they film it and they sell it, and it made just the tiniest little bit of impact, and then it, and then it vanished. So it was, it was her. Uh, it's her actual husband. Uh, there, she she had gotten married to a guy who was significantly older than her, and everybody said reminded them of, of Joey Buttafuoco. That's exactly. I want a, I want a guy just like Joey Buttafuoco. There ought to be a dating service called that, called Just Like Buttafuoco. And they tried playing it, uh, playing it down, uh, and she tried saying that, oh, he released it on his own uh, when he got mad at her or something like that. And then it turned out that, uh, you know, they were really in cahoots, and, uh, yeah, she needed... Turned out that she is, in fact, yeah. just a tramp, Steve. Apparently. Right. On that note, my friend, big plans for your weekend? Uh, you know, I haven't figured it out yet. This is the first uh, time I've come on. I I'm really sorry for the FM audience that I don't have anything uh, exciting to, to tell you for the weekend. You know, if I were you, what I'd do is go home and dwell on this failure all weekend long and then perhaps drink <laughs> myself blind on Yukon Jack. Right. Uh, it sounds like a good idea. Excellent. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day, sir. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum.
Amy Fisher. And the guy in the video does, he looks like a total tool user, if you've seen that Amy Fisher sex video. And I've only seen little segments of it online, because the internet is just, it's just the greatest invention in the history of all humanity, because it allows you to see things that, I mean, it, it scratches sort of mental itches you never knew you had. Like, there was that thing that came out about a year ago where it was Gene, like the Gene Simmons sex tape. It was him and some model in Sweden, and... Nobody knew whether it was real or not, and then, of course, you found out it was real because Gene Simmons himself, as is his want, copyrighted it and then had it up online and so you could watch samples of it. And first of all, let me just say this one thing about the Gene Simmons sex tape. He's got, I mean, it seems like he could buy better hair at this point. I mean, that's just an aesthetic observation for myself. I, I know he's a rock star and I'm not, and he's the god of thunder and so forth, but it just looks like, it looks like they kind of stapled the hair onto his head and then, like, one of them kind of came on lodged. And as the sex goes on, it's sort of watching, like, the hair list, like, 30 degrees to port, like, with every thrust. So that's happening. And also, I find it really disconcerting in the Gene Simmons sex tape that he never entirely gets undressed. Like, it literally pants at his ankles, and then his shirt's still on. And so you're getting this weird, like, just the business area uh, exposed, and it's all from one static angle, and it gets a little grainy and so forth. And yet, there That's I am. A disturbing. No, and then, but, but what's even more disturbing is there I am just sitting in front of the computer, just like with some celery, just kind of going, That's interesting. And it's like, I really have no desire to see Gene Simmons, like, in flagrante, and yet, there I am watching away, because it's like, it's what you do. All right. What we're going to do now is go to Tim Riley at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, on the Rick Emerson. I was totally ill-prepared. Radio program on Rock 101. In the news with Tim Riley. So back to this Bernard Madoff fellow. The Nazi, the child molester. How How about weekend at Bernie's? No, that doesn't really work either. Because it's not really a weekend. Weekend at Bernie's 3? No, see, that works... You can't just make it work by putting a three at the end of it. That doesn't that doesn't fix the problem there. But I, I admire your initiative. Mm-hmm. All right, now I'll think on it. One of his victims is Bert Ross. Lost $5 million in this scheme. Says an overwhelming feeling came to him as he saw this whole thing go down in the Manhattan courtroom. Oops. I'm sorry, that's... In the Manhattan clear. courtroom. It's not the money. It's not the money. It's, uh, it's just being in the presence of such an evil person. Wow. He's worse than a Nazi, Tim. Yes, he didn't feel at ease until the very end of this. I just felt that I was in the presence of evil. Uh, and <laughs> I was relieved when they finally put the cuffs on the guy. Marion Siegman says she still has unanswered questions. For just a fraction of a second, I felt a childish glee, which I'm ashamed of. I, uh... The good that can come out of this is the truth. And so far, we've had precious little of it. You know, here's the, I understand that it's wrong to steal $55 billion, but does it seem like all of these people that are being interviewed came from central casting? You know what I mean? They, normally they interview somebody who's been swindled or scammed, or there's been some sort of a Ponzi scheme or something that's gone on, and they normally they sound like just sort of the average off-the-street guys, but everybody they're talking to in this Bernard Madoff case, it's like, they, it's like they, they're auditioning for some sort of like bit part in a Woody Allen movie, or they came from This American Life or The Splendid Table or something. Anyway, well, all right, well, have have fun, Bernie Madoff. And by the way, just back on this business of how he's going to be treated in prison, they kept trying to push this angle on Anderson Cooper last night, that, again, that he was just, you know, that he was going to go in and get what for because he's, you know, he's worse than, worse than Satan and so forth. And I got to imagine that most of the guys in a federal penitentiary don't really care about that because the thing they always say is, I say with all my vast prison knowledge, Uh, All of my prison knowledge, by the way, comes from watching episodes of Oz, which is how I figured out kind of like how I'd survive lockdown and, you know, what I, you know, what set I roll with in a prison riot and so forth. 
But everything they say about prison is that the, that the reason if you're some guy who's like, uh, you know, they're screwing around with, you know, kids or whatever, that they go in there and you just, you just get your ass handed to you on a daily basis because every guy in prison has like a sister or a mom or a daughter or a kid or whatever. And that's why you're just sort of taken out back and just, just given, given a whole lot of business. I don't really know that most of the guys in a federal penitentiary had like nine jillion dollars to be losing in some sort of a Wall Street investment scheme. I mean, I'm just I don't mean to stereotype. I'm just saying I don't really know that a whole lot of people in prison are like, this reminds me of that guy on the outside that swindled me in my mutual funds. So I was invested in a roll of a CD and then I lost all of my appreciation. So I will be taking you into the shower and punishing you by proxy. I just, it doesn't really you know, ring true. I should play that back as a regular soundbite later. <laughs> this, <laughs> man, this man interviewed in Manhattan had the following observations about... This man interviewed in the prison shower. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Parents, are your kids reaching into the medicine cabinet to get high? Yes. Oregon state lawmakers try to prevent this. It's called farming. The teens are doing it these days. The kids get their parents... Ire by breaking into the drugs and they get high, sometimes even holding farming parties. That's when these kids swap these stolen pills. This doesn't happen. This is made up. Time to put a stop to this. State lawmakers are considering a law. They're going to put a law on your kids to stay out of the medicine cabinet. And it's called farming? Farming. Mm -hmm. With a PH. Farming. (laughs) Oh, that makes more sense. No, because it's a a wacky pun. Mm -hmm. That's how you know it's a thing that kids don't actually do, by the way. Farming is the new sexting, Tim. It seems like just two weeks ago we were talking about sexting. It says here, learn the kids' lingo on prescription drug (gasps) abuse. Really? Mm -hmm. Please to tell me where I can learn the lingo. Is there a website, or do you actually have... Not yet. No, they're working on this now. All right. I'm going to need a little more money to uh, print up this brochure. As you you figure it out, you let me know. Mm -hmm. Farming. All right. Yes. Farming. Oregon lawmakers are considering a measure that would have the state take over the growth and sale of medical marijuana. This is House Bill 3274. It would have the state create and run marijuana farms and distribute the drug to pharmacies. Well, Nike's Phil Knight lost $2 billion. Not to Bernard, what's his name, but he lost it by himself. He may have lost a billion or two, but who's counting? Forbes magazine uh, just published its list of mighty moneymakers, and the Nike founder is ranked 52nd among the wealthiest people in the world. I got two things to say about that one. Let me he moves up 21 notches. Okay, two things. One about uh, Phil Knight, one about the number 52. 8.2 billion. Okay, so uh, this is this was about a month ago, Tim. So you were you were not on the show uh, at that point. That was in no, the hiatus between that show and this show. Yes. So uh, I was lucky enough to get to go to the premiere for Coraline, which was at the uh, uh, the, the uh, Schnitzer downtown, mm-hmm. which was which was great. It was a whole lot of uh, you know a whole lot of folks there, including our good friend Stacy Wilson, who stood about a foot away from me the whole time and avoided eye contact every time I looked over at her. But there was, you know, Terry Hatcher was there, and Dakota Fanning was there, and Neil Gaiman was there, who wrote the, you know, the book that it was based on, um, and the director was there, and Phil Knight was there. And I got to tell you, Phil Knight, I don't mean to be like, hey, Rick Emerson is people who knows people, because I'm really not. I'm people who got to stand in the rope line near people because, like, CBS Radio made it happen for me. Uh-huh. So I'm standing there at the rope line, and it basically is just a long, it's like you're waiting in line for the one payphone, uh, Grand Central Station or something, and you're just waiting in a long, single pro, you know, person line, and then they bring all the stars by one by one, and you get like five minutes. You know, they're just moving from person to person to person. So I'm standing there, and it's like Terry Hatchett, Dakota Fanning, uh, Henry Selleck, who's the director, and Neil Gaiman, blah, 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 Brad Bird, who made The Iron Giant and The Incredibles, was there, and then Phil Knight comes by, and Phil Knight was actually the only guy I was sort of afraid to talk to. 
because he's just so fantastic. And I don't, I don't give a rip. I know there's some people who are just like, I need a Nike, he's a corporate, the man, you know, whatever. I, growing up as, as a kid, I was just so into studying corporations and, and successful business people and books about how these companies sort of grew themselves. And Phil Knight is just, I mean, that guy straddles this, this state like Colossus. And as he drew ever closer, it's like I could just hear sort of Darth Vader's Imperial March going in my head. And he kind of looked like a guy that if you, I mean, if you crossed him, like even right there at the rope line, there'd be some sort of a reptilian sticky tongue that would come out from about five or six feet away and just drag me toward his face. Uh, and then I would just never be, you would just look over and you'd see my legs sticking out of his mouth. And so at the last moment, legs sticking out of his mouth. I'm just saying he seemed, he has a vaguely sort of, a vaguely sort of, he seems like he could probably, like he could probably have you handled, is what I'm saying. And probably has, you know, I mean, look, it's not even six o'clock and he's probably crushed the dreams and hopes and aspirations of seven or eight thousand people. Good. I mean, just because he can. So as he got ever closer, I actually put out my hand to say, hello, Mr. Nut, I'm a big, and then I just pulled the ripcord. I was like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And I just turned around and I just left. I was just terrified, so. All right. I haven't seen Coraline yet. You, uh, well, I think it's too late now. I think it's gone from that. They've replaced it with a 3D Jonas Brothers film. Oh, no. yeah. I think it's still playing downtown, though, when I was riding my bike down. In 3D? Oh, I don't know about 3D, actually, because I think it was paying up, playing at Pioneer Place. Uh, yeah, see, if you don't see it in 3D, yeah. you almost are just waiting then to just watch it in the comfort of your well, own. Well, that's what happened to me. What ha- see, I was on the plot at the time, and I got in line to buy my ticket, and they said, this amount of money, please. And they said, <laughs> but I'm unemployed. <laughs> and I go, did well, they, where, where is the dumping ground for those who cannot afford to see uh, this movie? So they said, uh, St. John's. Uh, Cinema 3 for Shopaholic. <laughs> so so <laughs> I sat in there with these grumbling people Excellent. who uh, also were thrifty or unemployed and were forced to sh- see Shopaholic because they couldn't afford to see this other movie. And as it turned out, people filed out and said Shopaholic wasn't as bad as they thought it would be, but they will never see it or mention it again. I have to say I did like that book. And now you know <laughs> the rest of the story. Still to come, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com. We'll talk about Tales of the Black, uh, Black Freighter on DVD. We'll talk to Peter Carlin from The Oregonian and the top five saddest TV theme songs of all time. It's a Rick Emerson show on Rock 101 KUFO. Why, hello. It is the Rick Emerson radio program right here on Rock 101 KUFO. It is Friday morning. And good morning to ye. It's 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today. 503-733-2970. You can also email rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, you can go to kufo.com to find out all that contact info as well, as well as getting the podcast, streaming, pictures, diversions, things, stuff, whatnot. It's 503-733-2970. In a moment, we'll find out other news stories Tim Riley is working on. Still to come, we will have It's the Worst Song You've... Sorry, I had a little thing where I just... Tried to swallow part of my own epiglottis there while I was speaking. Mm. You ever feel like parts of your body aren't really working in concert? And yet one section of your brain is busy closing up your throat so you can uh, so you can swallow something, and the other half is deciding you're going to sing an aria. <laughs> all right. I don't think humans are meant to be up this early. No, they're not, Sarah. It's not human at <laughs> all. Your body turns against you a little bit. Okay, so we're going to get the we're going to go to the phones here, and it, we'll go to the phones here in a second. We have more prepared comedy from the fax machine and three small observations from the bottom of my brain. We'll do this. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How can I help you today? Hey, good morning, Rick. Hello, sir. It's uh, Johnny. Hello, Johnny. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. How are you today on day two? I am wonderful, sir. Couldn't be better. 
Did you get some good sleep last night? Man, let me just tell you about the sleep that I got last night, because I know there's nothing more interesting than hearing about the sort of basal body cycles of other people. So I here's how I'm going to be doing it, I think. We were going to do this whole high-concept phone segment about, hey, if you're somebody who has to get up early, call us and tell us how you do But then I realized it wasn't really going to work. Everybody's different. So... I think what I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be splitting the difference. I'm going to make some sort. I'm going to make it sort of a sort of a slumber Oreo. Well, I'm going to go home, get my nap on, middle of the day, a couple hours, two, two and a half. Get because you just can't go to bed at seven o'clock unless that's your normal body cycle. Because then you're just lame. You're just lame, and then you just have to do, do, take your own life out of shame and humiliation. This is no good at all. So get my get the nap, middle of the day, get back up. Uh, get some things done, and by get some things done, I mean play Left for Dead, uh, and then after that, go to bed nine thirty ten, get myself five hours, roll on in here, and refreshed and ready and so forth. So there you go. Excellent. Um, I just need to apologize uh, that I forgot to congratulate you to coming to uh, my other favorite station besides nine seventy a.m. Well, that's okay. We'll, uh, put, we'll we'll put it behind us, sir, and we'll pretend that you did congratulate us and that all is right with the world. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right. And also, um, yes. I apologize. I used my stage name yesterday. I was the number one caller yesterday. It's uh, actually it's Johnny Obvious. Excellent. And I think I got Richie in trouble with you, and it'll never happen again. Well, Richie's in trouble with us today for a different reason, but we'll talk about that in a moment. All right. Thank <laughs> you, my friend. All right. Continue to uh, spread the word, if you will. Here's the thing about Richie. Uh, we'll make a couple observations. We'll take a break. We'll reset. We'll come back, and uh, we will plunge on into another hour of broadcast amusement. I'm going to say this about Richie Bristol, and here's the thing. He's a fellow oatmeal eater. He really is. And Richie Bristol is our production assistant. If you call in, he's the first voice you hear. He's the guy that screens the calls. He is the guy that sort of relays a lot of information to us. If somebody is calling in to be a guest, he does that. He does a lot of stuff behind the scenes you don't really know about. You listen to a radio show, and it's very easy to sort of think that it's just, you know, the guys on the microphone who are creating everything, and... You know, the different shows that can be true to certain degrees. Richie's doing a whole lot of stuff that people don't you know, people don't really get to give him credit for because they just don't really talk about the mechanics of it. That being said, he does seem to sp- spend like a disproportionate amount of time either writing, saying, or doing really creepy things. And i got to say two quick sort of summations of that, and then we'll break. One is, during the ACDC song this plane a few minutes ago, I had just had the most surreal moment where I was walking from the bathroom to the kitchen to do something or other, and... I walked by in the space of 10 seconds, Tim Riley, who was singing along with You Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC in his own sort of trademark staccato delivery. Well, I'm rocking. Yes, you are, Tim. Which is Layer of Weirdness 1, followed by Richie speaking aloud to himself in what I do believe is his own mother's voice about oatmeal, and then kind of shuffling along, sort of like in a half stupor. So that's we move along, we can tell more about the story of Richie Bristol. Do you want to... The thing you told me this morning about Richie and the Internet... Has that been resolved? Richie's yes. Facebook status? Yeah, he, he wrote me an apologize and said that he needs to work on his filter. We're just going to say that when Richie got up this morning, I don't know what the first thing you do is when you get out of bed. Maybe you get up and maybe you get dressed. Maybe you take the dogs for a walk. Maybe you make coffee. Maybe you watch the news. Maybe you just sort of sit and gather your thoughts, trying to figure out exactly how it is you're going to go attack the day's problems and trials and challenges and tribulations. The first thing Richie did when he got up this morning is to go to his computer, log into Facebook, and then announce to the world that he did, in fact, have... Um, what we might call a state of tumescent arousal happening inside, yes, his pants. And you know that because it just said, Richie's, I don't even want to use the phrase. Yeah, don't use it. I mean, it's not even anything we'd have to bleep. It's just sort of awful. But if you'd gone to Richie's Facebook this morning, I mean, A, you're a sad person who really got to sit and analyze, like, what are you doing with your life? I mean, you got a whole world out there. 
But, but two, if you went to Richings Facebook, the first thing you would have seen, that's not you want to start the day. You want to start the day by finding out that, I don't know, that maybe your stocks have rebounded. Or maybe, you know what, maybe the birds didn't crap on your windshield while you were sleeping. You know, what's going on in the world? Oh, I, I see that Richie's in a state of sexual excitement. Well, that's fantastic. Let me leave the house now with a head full of pleasant thoughts. But now he's changed it to Richie is drinking tea. That's great. It's a lot more wholesome. Uh, that's more family-oriented. Normally he's selling tea. <laughs> 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Around the corner, we'll find out what uh, Tim Riley's working on at the news desk. Later on, it's the worst song you've ever heard and the top five most depressing TV theme songs of all time. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. Stay there. Sounds like a Cal Worthington thing happening there. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. He says, hitting the post like a champion. You're listening to Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Thank you for coming along today. We're here with Sarah X. Dillon, Tim Riley, and Richie Bristol. Kind of quasi-screening your calls uh, as we speak. Hey, I got two things right here. Then we'll talk to Tim, find out what is coming up at the news desk. Then I got like nine more things. Then after that, hundreds of things. I don't even know where to go with this. I'm just going to say that last hour we were reading some prepared jokes off the fax machine. Tim, do we have any more prepared humor that has been sent to us? I do. You said there's six pages of it. There so is. Let's not eat this whole meal at once. Let's uh, let's savor each morsel of amusement that they've sent us. This is morning show joke number two. All right. Thank I'm you, ready. Chris Paddock. A new survey found that the happiest state in the country is Utah. Duh. Having sex with three different women and not having to hide it? How hard was that to figure out? It's like you can just feel the 10 share growing out there. That's wonderful. Excellent. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. I want to find out. Here's my whole thing. Is the radio stations, and I mean like like 98% of radio stations, here's a little trade secret. And maybe we should do a recurring bit here called uh, Rick Emerson Tells You a Trade Secret. Most of the guys that you listen to, I don't care who it is, what format, what station, whatever, Anytime you hear anything even moderately amusing coming out of the speaker, I would say you're looking at like a 50-50 chance that that just came off like a fax machine somewhere because there's some jackass sitting in a dimly lit apartment somewhere in Hollywood just pounding out terrible jokes and then sending them off to idiot DJs everywhere. So my whole thing is not even so much of the jokes themselves. Like, I want to interview the guy who makes a living writing that joke or that Bernie Madoff joke last hour about accepting deposits. Well, we're... Well, repeat that joke. I'm just in the eight o'clock hour. I just uh, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> I just want to know who that guy is. Like who, uh, who is the guy? And uh, don't get me wrong, it's America. We live in a capitalist society, sort of. So I, you know, I'm for making the dollar however you can. I just want to know who, uh, how he stumbled into. What do you do for a living? Well, I sit and I write terrible one-liners for DJs to read. It really is a glorious existence. So we've also got this. Well, they're you know like the Ed Woods of joke writing. Yes, they are, Tim. <laughs> Bella, I've got 75 jokes to write tonight. So I've got, as, a, as an adjunct to that, the same prep service then gave us this. And I'm not making this up, as Dave Barry Did used to say. you some of these jokes? No, no, no. You've got all the jokes okay. on that side of the table, Tim. <laughs> you know what I'm I've got? Sure I've got interview leads here on Rock oh, 101 KUFO. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. This is, and they've given us not just the guy's name, but the guy's phone number. Should we give it? Nicholas Lighton donated some sperm to his sister Stephanie who then forcibly tried to impregnate her lesbian lover, Jennifer, with the sperm and a turkey baster. And they say, call Nick at this number, 413-464. And I swear to Christ, like, his actual number is right there. Which I don't think I'm going to be Wait, calling. Wait, so is that the brother? This is the brother. He gives his... 
in a in a clinical way, gives his sister some sperm, and then for what? So you have to speak with his handlers first, apparently. But I I think he already spoke with his handler, Tim. Uh-huh. If you know what I'm talking about. I just don't understand how that conversation works anyway. Like, it, what do you do? You ask him out for coffee. Is that a thing while you're sitting around and maybe some sort of a fam, family gathering in November? And he say, "Would you pass me the butter? Also some sperm. That'd be fantastic." And then he does. And then there's a whole lot of forcible impregnating and the whatever. I was watching too many episodes of Friends because that's what. Yeah, that's what um, one of the characters did. Like her brother's wife couldn't have babies, so. The sister was impregnated by the brother's sperm, which always kind of grossed me out. I just don't understand. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem proper. Let me ask you this. While we're talking about things that are relatable, because, hey, everybody goes to a supermarket, right? Am I am I speaking the truth? Yes. Oh, yes. boy, yes. Have Religiously. You ever, but you ever do this where you go to the supermarket and you see people... When someone is buying a turkey baster at the store, do you automatically assume... I've never seen anybody buy a turkey I, I have. don't even know where to find a turkey no. baster. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe Nicholas... I can give you Nicholas Lighton's phone number if you'd like. I Like nine different times, I found myself like I'm in Fred Meyer or Safeway or something, and then there's a guy behind me. First of all, I see people buying the weirdest combinations of things sometimes, and I don't know if I have some sort of, like if I carry like a, a temporal uh, distortion field or something around me. And well, so, plus I know where you shop, and I think it's like that that specific area to which we live in. There's a lot of shenanigans going. Yes. Sarah and I there both are live in... a lot of turkey-based results. We, <laughs> we live in... And blood remover. We we live in... Sarah and I live in... Not together, but we live in southeast Portland, both of us, in sort of the, relatively the same area. But it's... And I do a lot of my, my shopping late at night, too, because I just don't want to stand in line with a bunch of jackasses. And yet I always end up standing in line with jackasses anyway. Well, it gives you time to read the tabloids. It does. And to sit there and make copious notes about the people who are in line behind me. Mm-hmm. Because there's always... It's the strange combination of items that, as their component parts, wouldn't be off-putting at all. But then when you see them all sort of piled together, it sort of becomes disconcerting. Like, and again, it's like buying a big thing of canola oil and then also like a huge zucchini and then, you know, like, like, like surgeon's gloves or something. But like three different times, I would say over the course of maybe 10 years, I've been in line at the supermarket and I will see somebody buying a turkey baster. And I don't know if I have to blame Melissa Etheridge and David Crosby for this, but every time I see somebody buying a turkey baster, I just sort of take it as an article of faith that they're going home to impregnate somebody. I mean, I don't even, like, to me, that is now... What? I don't understand your, your mode of thinking. If, yes, so you, you do, and you're be... lying right now, because <laughs> when I say turkey baster, you think exactly the same thing I do. When I, I say turkey well, I baster, you think of, of lesbians ba- being impregnated. No, because I don't see a lot of turkey basters in life, so it makes me think of my mom making like Thanksgiving. They're, they're all at his store. <laughs> they're all they're they're all they're all turkey isolated in one quadrant of Southeast Portland. But if I were to say to you, I'm not saying you see a lot of turkey basters like in your day to day existence. But if I were to say to you, if it was like a word association thing where I say turkey baster, exactly, <laughs> you think what? Uh, you think impre- Portland. You think impregnation. That's it. That's what everybody thinks of. And so that is one of those items like Vaseline, that when I say Vaseline, you think of something probably quite different than what the Johnson & Johnson Company wants you to think of. There are products that now have, where the actual real usage is ancillary, and the first thing you think of is something quite quite different, and we all know that's the case. I'm just, I'm just making... Like just, if you're ju- buying, like you see somebody buying a giant vegetable of some sort. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about, Sarah. All right. I have a few uh, small observations to uh, make here, and then we'll uh, take a break. On the other side of this, we're going to talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, who will answer the magical question, exactly how much stimulus money will Oregon be getting? And can we use it to build a giant Hialeah stadium? Because I understand that Hialeah is really... That's a sport that is I on the globe. No, no, no. It's Hialeah, Tim. And I who think put, if, Who put an A in there? I think if we could... 
I think if we could just maybe fork over two or three hundred million dollars for a high-alive stadium, or maybe just a, a place to play tiddlywinks on a jumbotron, I think that might be the cure to Oregon's economic turnaround. My three small observations are these. One, when you see a sign on a 7-Eleven door that says the guy's back in ten minutes, we all know that's a lie. I'm not saying he's gone. He is gone. He's in the bathroom relieving himself. We all know that's true. We also know he's not going to be back in five minutes or ten minutes. He made that sign once seven years ago. It sits behind the counter, and they put it up and take it down over and over again. That's happened to me so many times at the plaid on 39th. You know why? Because he's not really gone for ten minutes. He's gone for half an hour. Mm-hmm. Two. Quit telling me that I need to leave my message at the tone of your voicemail. Everybody knows how voicemail works. You no longer even need a greeting. You don't need to say your name if you don't want it. You really don't need anything beyond here's the number and a beep. Everything else is superfluous. You're bringing me closer to death. Stop it. Third, we all hate Jared from Subway. There's no reason why. We shouldn't hate him. He hasn't done anything to me personally. Never ran over my dog. I despise him all the same. We all know this to be true. Sarah, what are we doing right now? Um, we're gonna take Are we going to rock or are we We're going to rock. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the Rick Emerson show continues around the corner with Lisa Desjardins, Tim Riley at the news desk. Later on, it's the worst song you've ever heard and the top five most depressing T V theme songs of all time. It is Friday morning, it's the Rick Emerson show on Rock One O one KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Rock 101 KUFO. 3.11 there. I feel like I'd be wearing a backward baseball cap. Did you get me a puka <laughs> shell necklace to wear? I was having freakish flashbacks to high school. Seriously. I'd like a mullet, please. I'd like to be cleaning some vomit out of a, uh, out of a frat house carpet. All right. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Just ahead, more witticisms and information from Tim Riley at the news desk. We'll also be talking more about Battlestar Galactica showing tonight at the Baghdad featuring Katie Sackhoff. She'll be there in person for court and uh, Fat Boys uh, screening of Battlestar Galactica. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill in Washington, D.C. Here to tell you about money in your figurative pocket. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. How are you? Hey there. Good. I'd like to give you your drive time Washington weather report, Rick. 35 degrees. Light snow, moderate panic. Thanks. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Well done. Now you just have to learn to say the time in various ways and then talk about a nonstop music jam coming up around the corner, and you will be gold. We set to go. Two minutes to the half hour. Exactly. Panic and traffic <laughs> together. <laughs> panic and traffic. Um, the I really wanted to put out like a like a track because everybody here does the traffic and weather together forever something or other. Right, or the, right, on the whatever. Yep, yep, yep. The, the on the fives, on the nines, or whatever. And the, I used to work with this guy that did. I think it was like traffic and weather with a side of bacon or tra- traffic and weather with a side of toast, which doesn't sound funny now, but like in 1995 or so, it just seemed like it, it was cutting edge comedy because it seemed somewhat different. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, in any event, hey, so. We were talking earlier, well, yesterday and today, about all of these sort of methods that they're trying to use to pull all the states out of this economic death spiral that they're in. And Oregon being Oregon, the one that they rolled out yesterday was the business of the government growing and selling weed for people that have cancer or something. Because we are... Really? I didn't know about this. Well, because we're a medical marijuana state, and I think might have actually been the first. We were the first or the second. We might be in California. But in both the right-to-die law and the medical marijuana law, like Oregon was right out front, because... It's that thing where you always, and the states always say this, and I don't really know that it's true, but states always like to say, well, you know, our biggest cash crop off the books, of course, really is marijuana. And I, 
I don't know. I, I think every state saying that marijuana is their biggest cash crop is sort of like everybody claiming that they're the one who invented the smiley face or the emoticon. or <laughs> Right, or they know the guy, yeah. Or, or like, that their fraternity was the one that Animal House is based on. Ex- exactly. <laughs> that's the other thing in Oregon. Every single guy was like, no, 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 I worked with the guy they based Tyler Durden on. No, 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 he was, uh, no, he was a guy that I used to go to lunch with uh, when I was on the line at Freightliner. So... But in terms of, there was actually a big article on Yahoo News about it this morning, and I do believe CNN Television was talking about that there's this sort of low-level talk, and it does seem like there's a a bit of a, you'll pardon the phrase, a bit of a buzz building out there about states trying to find whatever whatever they can do to, to, to get a little money in, and yeah. ma- medical marijuana may be, may be one of those things, because it's like stimulus package. The stimulus package at this point, sort of, you know what it is? It's like a thing that I see out the window of a bus as I'm driving down the street. And I just have to, it's like a really interesting billboard where you're like, hey, look at this billboard. There's something where I can, well, ah, crap. Well, maybe I'll see it the next time I drive this way. <laughs> that's what the stimulus package is. It's like, no, 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 it's a thing that's going to solve everything. And it seems like we've already skipped ahead to the second one. So I'm taking that as an indication the first one it didn't work. But I mean... Where are we at? Where's is Oregon? Is Oregon going to get any money? Lisa? What is the deal? Uh, Oregon actually, there's 32 states that have their own personal tailored recovery website, and Oregon, of course, is one of them. And, but California does not. So you guys, way ahead. Uh, it's bizarrely, but it's recovery.oregon.gov, and uh, you can also find it on. Um, you can you know Google it. You probably find it, but. On that site, your governor said that he's already he's planning to make $175 million available pretty much right away to start construction and renovation, all that stuff from the stimulus. But the trick here is that even as an Oregon's going to get billions of dollars, though I don't see your your state uh, doesn't seem to have that number on their website, but maybe I'm just missing it. Um, anyway, the deal here is that the money hasn't. Not much of the money has started flowing yet, so states like you guys who are putting this $175 million to work right away, that's going to be state money that you're expected to get uh, basically a reimbursement from from the federal government, which, you know, if you probably will if you follow uh, the guidelines and, and know what you're doing. As far as another stimulus, getting more cash after this stimulus round, you know, I think Democrats really stepped in it this week. We talked about this. They are backing off of the idea that anything is coming anytime soon. But I think what's happening is people realize, you know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, you got a giant tailgate and, you, you know, you got a couple packages of hot dogs and then an extra 40 people show up. This is the deal with the stimulus from the Democratic point of view. They're saying we thought the economy was just going to tank. We didn't know it was going to completely... So this is like when your deadbeat oh. brother comes to uh, to stay with you after he gets out of jail, just for a couple of weeks till he gets back yeah. on his feet. But then yeah. you realize that not only is your deadbeat brother going to be living uh, in your house, sleeping on your coffee table, consuming your food, but he's actually got two different girlfriends, a wife, one kid, and a guy <laughs> named Skeeter that was right, in right. the hole with him that's going to be coming along as well. Yeah, that's what it is. And now Democrats are saying, hey... That's great. We, we, the first stimulus, we thought things were really terrible, and now we're realizing that it is just hell, and maybe it's going to be even worse than we thought, and so maybe <laughs> we're going to need more. But you're right, Republicans do say, wait a minute, why, if, you know, we just passed the stimulus plan and you just signed it into law three weeks ago. Why is, that wasn't enough? What's the deal? Did you guys mess up? So there's kind of spin from both directions, but I do think, I think there's something legitimate to say that, it, 
the economy is changing so quickly that it, you know it's hard to say exactly what's needed and what's going to do the I job. I think we might just tag it on the on the fact that a CNN radio reporter, even though you were actually sort of giving a figurative representation of Democrats, just said it's hell and it's going to get even worse. <laughs> so on that, and then I'm picturing a George yeah, Romero thing. So excellent. Right. All right. Uh, and this, and we're again sort of just uh, under the gun today yep, because yep, yep. oh, I know, I know, you guys are busy. I keep running at the mouth. So all right, have a fantastic weekend. We will hey, check you with you next have week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Excellent. There you go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Please make way for your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. A 23-year-old Portland woman who took on TriMet over whether she was riding the Max illegally has won her case. Laura Dudley said she tried to pay for a Max ticket, but the machines weren't operating properly. She tried four different ones, all of them either out of service, wouldn't accept bills. This happens all the time on the Max. Mm-hmm. I am a Max veteran rider, so I know. That, so uh, a Max uh, officer stops her, asks for her ID, then writes out a $115 ticket. So she goes to court. And the judge agreed this week throughout the fine. Now, how do they? But how do they figure that out? Is there some sort of a record that the machines weren't working? Yes. So they were. They, they, had they like know a, what's working, what's not working. Okay. So because that's the like this happens to me all the time when I'm you know like be downtown and then it's that at jazz where you go to you put in the uh, the money and it, and then it says sometimes it'll do this. Occasionally, I'll go and I'll put in like the credit card or whatever, and it'll charge me, and then there's just no paper in the thing. Mm-hmm. And here's the problem: is it's like. Um, it, you know, it's like it, there's five of those machines in an area downtown, like five of those sort of parking uh, meter machines, and one of them goes down. Then, of course, it it exponentially increases the load on the other four, which means that one of them goes offline immediately. And so every time one goes dead, it increases by a factor of whatever percent the idea that the others are all going to go dead. And then you reach that place where you're like, you know, are they going to come by and ticket me? And even though I have a rational explanation for it because the machine is down. It's going to be the same as getting the ticket, because I'm going to have to take like two hours to go to court to fight about it. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes the principle of the thing, which is sort of tempting. It's tempting just to go fight it on principle just so you can stick it to the man. But then you realize you're talking like two and a half hours out of your workday or, or whatever. So I don't understand, like, if you get ticketed on the match for something like that, I'm not saying you should try to ignore the laws or disobey posted regulations. I don't understand why you just wouldn't give them your name. You would just, or you just not have ID. You know, I'm not saying you should do that, but I'm saying if you were of a mind, you know, if you were of a mind... To sort of disobey the law, I don't think they can. Like if, if they just say what you, you know, let me see your ID, and you just say I don't have any, because mm-hmm. they can't be searching you or anything. It's not right. they can turn you over and shake you out or whatever. All right, well there you go. Six prisoners in Canada used nail clippers to escape from prison. At the same time, they deceived 87 guards to do it. Apparently, uh, all the inmates started playing cards, while the others started picking through a wall. They did it, they said, because they were bored and eventually caught. But with nail clippers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what kind impressive. Of, what, are the, what are the walls made out of in Canada? I don't know, but Hope. They, they used blanket and sheets to scale the outer walls. They didn't think they'd get away with it. They started working on it. It was something to do. I think Canada may uh, be somewhat behind in sort of prison technology because scaling a wall with sheets and pillowcases, it seems... It's like they're wearing, are they wearing the big stripy like prison costume suit too, like the Hamburglar? They managed to, to deceive at least 87 correction officers to do this. Well, really, in, in Regina. No, what, what could you be doing in Canada though that you really have to be like that much of a hard ass as a prison it's guard? Like, where do you escape to? There's nothing there once you get outside. <laughs> There's a Waffle House down the street, Tim. There's that's that's really all there is. There's a Waffle House, and then just you know what Canada looks like in my head. In my head, Canada's like one of those big cartoon maps. Where they show each state and then like a big cartoony drawing of of some landmark there, like the, the spacing or whatever. But in the Canada, 
it's like there's just a few sort of amorphous patches of people, like one on the East Coast and one sort of on the West Coast, and then in the middle is just nothing. Not even like, when I say nothing, I don't mean like sagebrush or snow. I mean, literally, not, there's just nothing there. It's like you're in the Langoliers or in the Forbidden Zone or something. It's just a big wash. All right, here's Tim Riley at the news desk. Well, John Stewart mixed it up with Jim Cramer last night. This is on his uh, program. Kramer admitted he and others provided some uh, bad advice on his television show. I think that everyone should come in under criticism because right. we sh all should have seen it more. I mean, admittedly, this is a terrible one, and mm -hmm. everybody got it wrong. I got a lot of things wrong because right. I think it was kind of one in a million shot. But I don't think anyone should be spared. John Seward attempted to defend or at least explain his recent criticism of Jim Cramer. Let, 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 me, let me just explain to you very quickly one thing that I think is, is somewhat misinterpreted. Th this was not uh, directed at, at you, per se. Yes, I just want to let you know that. We, we threw some banana cream pies at, at CNBC. You got a little, obviously, schmutz on your jacket from it. Took exception. Yes, there were some tense moments. Again, I hear you, and no, you could argue. I appreciate you yep. talking to yep. me like I'm five. No, oh, come on, man. That's not true. Seeing Jim Cramer and Jon Stewart in a room together, though, it's like... It's like one of the. It's like in Roger Rabbit, where there's the Warner Brothers and Disney cartoons that are crossing over. They just seem like things that should exist in, I would say, parallel worlds, but not intersecting worlds. Because Jim Cramer is essentially just a. He just seems like a guy who was sort of drawn by a comedy writer somewhere, which I guess is why, because he played himself in Arrested Development, right? It wasn't like it wasn't some other guy. It was the actual oh, was Jim totally Cramer. Evil. Yeah. We are moving blues to don't sell or whatever. <laughs> and I mean, just the idea that that's a look. Here's the thing: when they say that you know for entertainment purposes only, the idea that some guy would just sit on his couch at home, probably while filling up a graphics bong that has a skull and a clown on the front of it, and go, I don't know. Uh, the Kramer guy says that we shouldn't that we should invest everything in uh, polymer something or other. Is there a polymer stock? I don't know. Put it all there. That you would watch that guy and then decide that he is the basis for your financial decisions. That's just sort of an economic Darwinism. That's a that's a thing where you're going to end up with one of those kids downtown that wears a padlock around his neck, you know, and you're wondering which of you is going to have to eat the dog first. That's uh, that's on you, friend. Let's do uh, one more here and then we'll uh, take a break. Howard K. Stern, the former attorney for Nicole Smith, is turning himself into police following felony drug charges. He is accused of conspiring to provide uh, Smith. Oh, Stern, I'm sorry, is. Uh, accused of conspiring to provide Smith with prescription drugs during the last few years of her life. Did that really take a conspiracy? Anna Nicole, do you want drugs? Yes. Okay, well, here you go. Here's a bucket. So then there are a couple of other doctors involved here. Harvey Levin, the managing editor of TMZ, says he seriously doubts if anyone in the business saw this coming. Not a whole lot surprises me these days. This kind of does. Charo is 68 today. Charo is 68? <laughs> yes. Hey, real quickly, how is it possible that Carol O'Connor is dead and, what's her name, Maureen Stapleton is still alive? Doesn't like she should have died 30 or 40 years ago? It does. All right. But Charo Do we know is... that for a fact? But Charo lives on. But Charo lives on, ladies and gentlemen. She claims to be 68, so that means she's at least in the 70s. She's 149, Tim, <laughs> and looking ravishing. Uh, around the corner, we will have another installment of Stuff Only I Remember. And by I, I mean a listener who's asked me to figure something out. You want by figure something out, I mean ask the audience. And we'll have more prepared comedy from the uh, fax machine. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Rick Emerson radio program on Rock 101 KUFO. Emerson show on Rock 101 KUFO. 
Live in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for coming along. It is Friday, 10 minutes before 7 o'clock. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. That means it is, what, 12, 14 hours before the doors open at the Baghdad tonight. It is 15 hours before Battlestar Galactica, the penultimate episode. Second to last episode tonight. Uh, that means it is... When I just had this figured out. 14, 15... Whatever. 11 o'clock tonight, though, after Battlestar, is going to be a Q&A uh, with Court and Fatboy and Oregonian Katie Sackhoff. Starbuck herself will be there tonight. So that is at the Baghdad on the corner of Hawthorne and <laughs> in southeast Portland. 34th? 37th. 37th? 37th. 37th. I used to live on 37th. So Hawthorne and 37th Baghdad Theater tonight. Battlestar Galactic on the big screen, which is uh, righteous, by the way. Especially when they go from some sort of really uh, like dramatic, intense, gripping emotional sequence into an ad for sauceless hot wings. So be there for that tonight. Katie Sackhoff is going to be there. Doors at 9. But here's the thing. Let me just say that immediately. Let's, let's speak the plain truth, shall we? If, uh, let's not uh, delude ourselves. If you show up at 9, you're going to be hosed. And all the friends you brought with you, hey, we're going to go see Katie Sackhoff. Not going to happen. And your friends are going to think you're a tool. And you're going to go home. And you're going to be left to uh, cry alone. So what you want to do is you want to get there early, early, early. Because... I mean, I don't even freaking people out or whatever. I'm just saying hours beforehand is not, like, such a bad idea because it's a big, big deal. So that is tonight. Oregonian Katie Sackhoff will be at the Baghdad Theater for the screening of Battlestar Galactica with Court and Fatboy. And then a Q&A. And the Q&A, I'm going to say worth the price of admission, even though it's free, but it's sort of like a figurative admission, and it's totally worth it. A, because it's Katie Sackhoff. B, because it's Katie Sackhoff. C, because it's Battlestar with Katie Sackhoff. And D... Just because whether you are in the sort of geek demographic or whether you just enjoy observing the, de- the geek demographic, it's like it's gold either way. Because it's it's it's, it's going to be hilarious to see a bunch of like geeky fanboys like falling all over themselves. Because there. it's a lot of questions are sort of you know. So I was wondering um, if if you're not able to restock um, supplies, where do you, where do you continue to get pencils from? Because they never explain that, and and I'm always using a pencil, so I wonder is there a pencil planet? And then you see Katie Sackhoff's eyes sort of like, oh, God. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we will uh, find out what's going on in the world of news with Tim Riley in one moment. Let's uh, do this. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Greetings to you. Good morning, Rick and Lord Master Tim. Good morning. Hello, sir. How can I help you? I am just on my lovely commute, 30 miles to my new wonderful job in this sinking economy, and passed through the Sunset Tunnel and did not lose the signal. So congrats to you. It's 100,000 watts of Tim you're getting now, sir. Oh, my gosh. It's it's wonderful. It really is. Uh, For those who have listened to us uh, in the past on AM 970, we are now broadcasting at 20 times the power. So uh, as big as our reach was at that station, and let's not delude ourselves here, let's speak together as men. It was massive. Uh, it's 20 times uh, as massive now. My, my, my car, stepping on the gas on my car and going under overpasses no longer interrupts <laughs> the signal to your, to your lovely voice. Sometimes you wouldn't even like you have to drive in under anything with an AM signal. Like occasionally, do you ever do this with an AM radio? Where, like it, it, your hand actually reaching toward the radio to adjust the tuning just causes the signal to drop out. It's like yes. you're having to stand on one leg and, uh, you know, and like tilt your head 15 degrees to the right to make sure that it doesn't drop out. Exactly. Excellent. Um, the other, the other thing, I, I am an original listener, Triple O Seven, um, and I think it would be fun on the website to do sort of a uh, the evolution of man, sort of drawing, but of your a of your hair, because I do remember the original Rick with the long, flowing hair. Yeah, it was a bad and time. Was, yes, very much so. And then also to an evolution of your wonderful assistants from. 
the the darling rock chick Katie to the amazing and talented Sarah Dillon. Uh, yeah, for people who have been listeners for a long time, everybody should. Uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate the call. Spread the word. Everybody should know that uh, there's a couple things. First of all, uh, Tim and Sarah Dillon and myself is sort of the irreducible core of the program, as Charlie Watts would say. And then, of course, Richie uh, doing a disproportionate amount of uh, amount of uh, work and labor in the back room there when he's not busy posting creepy things about his penis <coughs> on Facebook. But <laughs> If you look back at the sort of you know, the the stages of Rick's hair, first it was like a bad like I I mean it, you look back at the retrospect and I just had this this I used to have very uh, like absurdly long hair and I'm told that it had all kinds of body and natural wave to it but none of that really mattered because I never really washed it and when I washed it I didn't I didn't condition it and when I conditioned it I just like would take like one of those goody plastic combs and just when it was still wet and just through the back because I was just like an, like it was just a douche and I had yeah, no idea what I was scary doing. scary looking. When I, when I was told <laughs> I was going to work with you I just imagined that picture that was hanging out in the lobby. It's like there's a picture of Dr. Tony Grant and then somebody who looks like Charles Manson. And right no offense, to... Rick, but it wasn't hard to figure out that you didn't wash it very much. Thank you so much. I had this sort of Eastern Romanian dictator thing going. It was like a bad Van Dyke and then sort of yeah. like a Gin Blossoms haircut. So that's altogether bad. So, yeah, anything you see uh, that looks sort of acceptable now, whether it's my hair, my clothing, whatever, that's all uh, That's all, Sarah Dillon. Uh, Tim Riley, what is going on in the world around us? Well, it looks like Japan will shoot down that North Korean satellite. Now, Japan hasn't shot at anyone since, like, 1941. Uh, so they don't want these uh, these Korean satellites flying over. So that takes the problem away from us. I didn't think Japan had a military. Isn't that the thing? Well, I thought... they, they have what's called their uh, the, their National Defense Force. <laughs> and Mothra. Mm-hmm. So they have to get our permission to do anything. So uh, they have our permission. Shoot, well, shoot that's, us down. That's the way it should One be. One less thing we have to do. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it really is. It's sort of like having a It's like having a guy, you know, like on the curling team. It's the guy who goes out ahead of the rock and sweeps the ice. That's what the, you know, the Japanese will take care of shooting down things in that part of the world for us. Uh, let's see what else do we have here. Oh, microwave popcorn that kills. Have you heard this story? No. A federal jury has awarded $7.5 million to the family of a former microwave popcorn worker who died shortly before seeing the verdict released. Attorney Kenneth McLean represented, uh, represented Ronald Cooper, who had sued the company after being diagnosed with a rare lung condition linked with artificial butter flavoring he used to put in microwave popcorn in the factory. Uh, quantity of, of diacetyl in these products from those trace amounts to up to 10% or more. And at those high levels, this uh, this chemical uh, will uh, eat your lungs away. And so that's the, the essence of the problem. Wow. I think <laughs> on the list of things that I don't want, something that will, quote, eat my lungs away. It's microwave popcorn that kills. Sort of a sour cream and melanoma kind of a thing. All right. That's great. I mean, not for him. Not for him. You know, one in four Americans would act dishonestly to save their jobs. The national unemployment rate has climbed all the way to 8.1%. It's 9.something here in Oregon, very high. And it seems that those who are lucky enough to still have jobs are desperate to keep them. How desperate? According to a recent survey, one in five Americans say they would take credit for somebody else's work. And even flirt with the boss just to get ahead. I'm going to begin doing that today, by the way. <laughs> Chris Paddock. Paddock. <laughs> I'm going to do that immediately after. I uh, love that T-shirt. <laughs> he looked so handsome this morning. I'm going to do it after the Baghdad screening, which I arranged uh, with the Q&A of Katie Sackhoff, which I will be conducting tonight at the uh, Baghdad Theater. All right. And then I'm going to go give Chris Paddock a long, lingering hot oil massage. And then we'll dance, dance, dance. Ooh, that- Oh, you took that to a whole other level. Like one call. <laughs> it's something, then, something Richie would say. Speaking of Chris Paddock, by the way, 
uh, around the corner. We'll I want to thank uh, Chris Paddock for all the morning show jokes. Do we have do, do we have one to to to, uh, to give us on the other side? You should find yes, one a little bit when he comes back in. Let's take this call and then we'll get the caught up around the uh, corner. Chris Paddock will join us in the studio. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hey, Rick. I mean, no offense by this in any way, but I would like to say that you're, uh, as the other caller was speaking about the evolution of Rick Emerson and your hair. Mm-hmm. It's not unlike that of Bill Prescott. Bill Prescott, by the way, so that is an old school reference. Bill Prescott is a guy who did a uh, radio program here in our fine city many years ago. Bill Prescott is like one of two things. He's like a band that broke up like the week before you moved to some city. And then for the rest of your life, everybody you know is like, no, 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 dude, but you weren't here. You weren't here when the Flesh Eaters played. They were really the best band. (laughs) Really? Did they have any recordings? No, 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 no. But I mean, it's magical. It was like the Beatles at the Cavern Club. Or Bill Prescott, who was, again, a DJ at some point in Portland's history, he's like a great club that closed down, and then they just destroyed it and turned it into a Walgreens right before you moved to some place. So, and in Portland, that's, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go to, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, Sarah, name name a club that you would go to, the bar, night spot. Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, one that's defunct. Like... No, let me one now that you would go to. Just... Um, Satyricon. Okay, I'm going to go to Satyricon. No, 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 Sarah, it's not about Satyricon. It's about Club X-Ray. I mean, Satyricon's great, but... Uh, People who are Luna. <laughs> people who are from here, they uh, yeah, they know about uh, they know about those places. So all right, so in that way, I'm like Bill Prescott. Excellent, and uh, one more thing. Yes. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right, thanks so much. Maybe Rick, that was uh, Bill Prescott. Rick Emerson, appreciate. I don't, I don't think so. He wasn't asking you how many ketchup packets you'd like. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Rock One Hundred One KUFO around the corner. Chris Paddock joining us here in the studio. More news with Tim Riley, and we'll talk about the Watchmen DVD release, Tales of the Black Freighter. Freighter, around the corner. Stay there. All right. So now, now he, now Bill Prescott does live in Portland. It's all very confusing. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. Thank you for coming by. Still coming ahead, uh, we will uh, go to the news desk with uh, Tim Riley. We'll find out what's going on in the world later double on. Double monkey watch coming up. A double monkey watch on the immediate horizon, my <laughs> friends and colleagues. Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com will talk about the direct-to-DVD release of Tales of the Black Freighter, uh, which is a Watchmen-related uh, film that you really... Which is uh, just messed up. Which is fantastically I don't ever want to see it. ...and bizarre. Uh-huh. See, but see, but the same things that make you want to never see Tales of the Black Freighter, the things that make sure that I'm going to buy it uh, today. So that is out on DVD. It's Tales of the Black Freighter, which is the story within a story from Watchmen. So that's out today on DVD along with, I think, like a 60-minute style dramatization or they they sort of filmed that under the hood uh, book, which is, again, the, the book within the book of Watchmen. So Aaron Durant's talking about all that, and we'll do the top five most depressing TV theme songs of all time. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Rock 101 KUFO Program Director Chris Paddock. Hello, sir. Good morrow. I would like to uh, congratulate you on wearing a stylish shirt and for buying it the day before I nearly bought that same shirt. So yeah, you're welcome. Thanks Thank again you. for blunting my fashion ambition. Uh, I have found... In the time that I've worked here with you, Rick Emerson, that I have been trumping you in the fashion arena, and I will continue to do so. And everybody out there should know this. I don't think we've ever actually made this point with any specificity, but three different, like. three different times Paddock and I have come to work, and we'll be wearing variations on exactly the same outfit, and at least twice we have come to work in the same scarf from the same store. That's true. And the both same them, scarf? Exactly yep. the same and scarf. They're wearing matching peacoats and, and the same scarf. We're actually we were we were trying to reenact the Beatles arriving at JFK, See? Uh, and it just didn't quite work out. I was going the other way. I was going to say we should have been. It was like we were about to stand on desks with Ethan Hawke and say, "Oh, Captain, my Captain." So 
Yeah, the heavens made a girl named Chris with hair and skin of gold. Yeah. And please don't ever make sexual overtures uh, about hot oil with me on the radio. I, you did earlier today, and that was very disturbing. I'm to understand that that is the way to a successful uh, uh, career here at CBS Radio and everywhere based upon this yeah, news. So we were told. Mm-hmm. Well, you will whip, you will make my wife jealous, and you'll whip her into a frenzy. We're the crickets. Okay. (laughs) Very quickly here, I'm going to throw at something uh, that you may or may not remember, because people know that we are sort of the clearinghouse for all the useless information in the world. And when I say useless, that's only to everyone else. Here, that information is not only useful but vital. This email says... Rick, I had a sudden childhood memory of a line of toys only I seem to remember. Even a Google search did not help me, which is kind of freaky. So I decided I'd go to the one and only place that would help me out, the Rick Emerson Show. It was probably around 1986, give or take a year. And I remember a toy line called Insectosaurs, which I believe were some sort of insect-dinosaur-warrior hybrid. They may also have been Transformers, but of that I cannot be sure. The reason I remember them so clearly is because they had the greatest ad campaign. It was a 30-second Flash Gordon-esque serial that told a complete story once you all viewed all the ads. There were good insectosaurs and bad insectosaurs, Autobot and Decepticon style. Then the ads would end with a cliffhanger. Am I the only one who remembers this? Like I said, Google couldn't help me, and the memory is too vivid, and the toy's too weird for me to have just made this up. Maybe I'm misremembering or just overtired from waking up at 5 in the morning. So, Chris Paddock, Insectosaurus? Never never familiar with that. Uh, but I am actually intrigued, and I did meet somebody who has a, a tie to the Hasbro toy company, and I'm wondering if maybe Hasbro had something to do with this. I'm going to do some research, and I'm going to find out, and uh, I will look into that. See, I do seem, I seem to remember that there was some kind of an insect variation yeah. on Transformers. In, insects meet dinosaurs, which I think, it, obviously, at a toy company, it's like, Dinosaurs are hot. Let's put dinosaurs together with insects because kids love bugs. But I think in the follow-up to Dinobots, I do believe that there was an Insectabot thing. But see, but then again, that's a thing that I might be making up because Insectabot is just a cool word that seems like it should have existed. Sure. But and, I, 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 I really believe that there, I don't know about the serial thing that was the, the, the commercial or anything like that, but I'm almost positive, yes, there was something similar to that. Like, right. I, I want to say Insectazoids. Insectazoid. Anything you put a Zoid at the end, it rules. It's like it's like a vision or yeah. Rama. Zoid, actually. really? Oh, yeah. It's well, a, think about it. Tim Riley Zoid. I like it. Yeah, it's like a monster. So sort of like it's on the heels of unstoppable, full of knowledge. Collect them all. On the heels of Grimlock, that there was some sort of Mantis Zoid bot con <laughs> thing. Speaking of serial, incidentally, I just wanted to note that talking about the many stages of Rick Emerson's hair, there's the many stages of of Chris Paddock's cereal collection and it's like rings in a tree because you go into paddock's office and at first it was just a box of captain crunch then there was a box of captain crunch and i believe apple jacks or some yep. sort of similar mm-hmm. cereal yes sarah and i were going into the hallway uh to go upstairs to go out across the street i don't know maybe about a week two weeks ago and paddock is coming in through the front office down the stairs and it was like a man scurrying along trying to hide a collection of stolen watches inside a raincoat he had a brown paper bag like the kind that you send I don't know, uh, like uh, packaged goods, uh, as they used to call it them back like in the 30s. It looked like a drug deal. Let's just call it for what it is. Yeah, or, you were like hugging it desperately. Yeah, it looked like I just got a, a bunch of China white. Like you were just taking the package to be stepped on before they right. put it on the corner. And Sarah and I were like, what's up, padding? You're like, nothing. And he sort of curled the top of the bag over. And we look inside, and in fact, it's just big-ass boxes of breakfast cereal. Yeah, I believe I had like, honeycomb and flakes. frosted flakes in there. Because you are... Is it that you've been flat out forbidden by your wife to uh, eat them, or can you just not do it at home? I have a ritual, and I think most of the public will agree with me. Most of the people that are near 40, like myself, uh, think that Saturday morning cartoons stink. And uh, I like to reenact 
Uh, it's like Civil War reenactments. I like to reenact Saturday morning lineups with DVDs in the morning. And I like to eat delicious sugar cereal while I watch said cartoons. And I was having this ritual, and my wife uh, had a fit. And Tracy said, I forbid you to eat sugar cereals because you uh, can't digest it. Which I thought was a little too much information, but thanks. What does that mean you can't digest it? That didn't make any sense. Like, you can't digest rocks. I mean, what does it mean when you can't digest cereal? I Apparently... Nickels you can't digest. You know what? I heard Chris Cornell say this a while back, too. uh, Did he say with a Timberland beat underneath (laughs) No, he did not. Uh, This was when he was still in Soundgarden. He was trying to explain that, you know, after a while, he was trying to explain the maturation of Soundgarden. And then after a while, that... The, the body does not digest or break down certain kinds of foods after a while. You have to grow up. And I guess Soundgarden was growing up, and then that meant getting Timberland involved. Let's just be honest here. Did your wife walk in and find you in Paul Frank footy pajamas? No, no. With like a, like a bowl of chocolate-frosted <laughs> sugar bombs? Just oh, seriously. Uh, I sometimes will, uh, she will be sleeping. I'll wake up at like 6 o'clock, and then I, I, like, I was stalking everybody here in the promo department because there was volume two of the Super Friends, and I had to get it. Because I wanted to get up early and watch the Super Friends. Is this the thing where, where Zan was turning into a bowl of gelatin or aspic became, or soup he, he or something? Took the form of dessert gelatin. <laughs> form of Dinsey Moore. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, uh, it was amazing. How many boxes of cereal are in your uh, office right now? I am now? now down to three. I've, I've just polished off some Apple Jacks. Good for you. What are the other two? Uh, we well, I did do some uh, honeycombs mixed in uh, yesterday with some frosted flakes, and I realized the honeycombs have gone stale. Honeycombs can go stale. Yeah. Final question here: uh, Have you at any point in your life actually taken out a piece of honeycomb cereal and put it against a ruler to see if it is in fact big? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I haven't, but I have tried to hijack the honeycomb hideout. Wait, have you never? But you never did that thing. Cause no, the, I never did that. There was that thing I, where they no. put it by the rulers, like, and it's an inch across. No, but did you realize in those honeycomb th- things that were usually stocked by some sort of weird pedophile, like a, like an Andre the Giant type of guy trying or to break Bernie down Madoff. their. Yes, or Bernie Madoff trying to break down their treehouse so they can get their goods. I am so thoroughly horrified by the idea. Go of, on quote, YouTube and watch an it. An Andre the Giant style pedophile. <laughs> Give me my honeycomb. That sounds like Mr. T, sorry. And right. your innocence. <laughs> It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson radio program on Rock 101 KUFO. I just have horrible images of Andre the Giant. Don't tell anybody or I'll kill a puppy. (laughs) That was a little disturbing. Could have gone any number of ways. Could have gone King Kong Bundy. Could have gone Haystacks Calhoun. Or, you know, somebody small. What are you going to do? It's a Rick Emerson show. It is Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for coming by. Just ahead, more news with Tim Riley. Later on, we'll do the top five uh, saddest TV theme songs of all time. And Aaron Geek in the City Duran will talk about Tales of the Black Freighter, which is the direct-to-DVD Watchmen release that came out uh, on Tuesday, plus more of your phone calls and so forth. And plus, uh, this is a little bit of a guarantees here. I hold here in my hands uh, the answer to this Transformers Insectobot Zoid Dino spinoff toy that we were tr- trying to figure out uh, about 10 minutes ago, so I got the answer to that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show with a heart full of hate and a head full of tasty cherry-flavored nougat from the Oregonian, our good friend Peter Carlin. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you, my friend? I'm well. I'm so happy to be in the in high-fidelity FM right now. I'm just saying your voice <laughs> is beaming across the fruited plain right now with 20 times the power of our previous signal, sir. That's, that's so awesome. It really is. Uh, Tim Riley, it's Peter Carlin. Hello there, Peter. Hello, Tim. 
I'm so psyched. You know, I wrote that 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 grim article about you a couple months ago. That was the greatest article ever. I know about it was like about the devolution of the media. But you know, the irony is, I actually had actually intended that article as a total slam. I wanted to end Tim Riley for good. That was the whole point of it. But then they edited all that stuff out, and it came out all positive. And now look. It was trying to, I have you to thank for it, Peter. It's trying to snuff him out like an altar candle uh, after Easter Sunday. And so. the acuity of my writing was such that everyone just fell, fell right back in love with Tim Riley. And the next thing you know, uh, Jed's a millionaire. So we should actually we should back up just a second. So uh, it, when we were on AM 970, Tim had been with the program. And then in December, there was a whole lot of like a – there was a big Black Monday that came. Right. And the next day, Tim wasn't on the show. And Peter wrote a really uh, – just a fantastic article, not just about us and Tim, but about radio in general. And – it really they even was, sent a photographer to my home. It was quite something, and uh, and so it is. Uh, it, it really is unbelievably uh, satisfying to sort of be back here in the classic configuration of the Rick Emerson Show, which was with uh, with Tim Riley. So, um, and I should say, you know, in, in addition to that, I know that you've sort of, as they say, transitioned, Peter, at the Oregonian. They don't. Nothing changes anymore. <laughs> a everything change of life. I think is what they call it. Everything sort of evolves, or yep. there's a blending or a segueing. Um, into writing just these massive sort of front page snarky hit pieces about you know Facebook or whatever, but there's this thing. Am I was I hallucinating when you told me about the Miss Oregon and a dad and war criminal and something or other? Did I dream that whole conversation? I wish. Um, no, I <laughs> I wrote this story in January. Uh, this kind of nice um, feel goody story about this, and and actually went down to Las Vegas to check out the Miss America pageant with uh, Miss Oregon um, Daniela Kristich. Who is uh, who's a really interesting and 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 I an intelligent and fun person and um, and uh, and her whole story was that she and her family were Bosnian refugees. They'd come after the war and uh, and uh, but they were Serbs, you know, and and the Serbs were involved in that conflict in the 90s in a lot of kind of unpleasant ethnic cleansing type of activity. And uh, they were upfront with me about how their dad had actually served in the military. Um, and had been to some extent it appeared conscripted into the military to do whatever and, and apparently they said he was just doing clerical office type stuff because he was an engineer and had advanced degrees and stuff and i guess maybe not a frontline kind of guy by the way just it's always a bad sign when you ask somebody what they were doing during an unpleasant military conflict and they say uh... just clerical stuff well, uh, transportation uh, anyway mostly. i'm just a trifle chagrined because then it turned out he, he popped up on a court docket in the ninth circuit appeals court which is as high as you go before you go to the supreme court where they're proposing that uh, after years and years of legal wrangling it's time for him to to maybe get right back to bosnia because they don't because he allegedly lied on his uh, green card entry forms to get into the country by claiming that he'd never served in the military which i guess was a point of demarcation for them if you'd been in the military they didn't want you to come into town anyway so it's just anyway so i'm a one chagrined reporter i felt like maybe they weren't completely upfront with me and then i was reflecting i had actually talked quite a bit with my editor about why these people would get so skidgy and so defensive when the whole subject came up. But I thought, you know, they're just trying to keep it positive. Because I should say, by the way, well, just you may be chagrined, but I mean, the, the ultimate resolution is, I mean, the, the karma is that they have to go back and live in a place called, like, Zagreb or something. So it kind of comes full circle. Well, you never know whether, but then, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it, anyway, it's a complicated and not terrifically amusing story, but, uh, but fortunately, Tim Riley's back on the air. It is, it is true. And, and I was never a war criminal. No. 
Well, not well, he was, <laughs> but then it's how do you define that? Tim did, uh, he did mostly filing services, really. Um, and he was in charge of that big glass barrel that just says burn only. Yeah. So Maybe uh, they'll send Levi Johnston with him. It'll be, be like great. a buddy movie. Excellent. On the, it'll be like a new... <laughs> and Andre the Giant, please. It'll be like a new on-the-road film. All right, excellent. Well, uh, I'll tell you, we are just fantastically happy to be here and to have uh, you, Peter, as part of the latest evolution of the Rick Emerson Show. But we'll uh, we'll talk. My people, talk to your people. We'll figure out the we'll figure out a schedule to have you on going forward. Well, good luck with my people. They've all been deported. Wow. All right. That turned dark okay, all then. of a sudden. All right. Thank you, my friend. Have a fantastic day. Hey, good. Hey, congratulations to everybody. Y'all are, uh, it's, uh, it's a fine thing. And you don't Thanks like you anything. Either. You're sort of, you, you know, you're like the life serial. You're the Mikey life serial of, of news reporting in Oregon. <laughs> it's true. What happened to Mikey? Did he, uh, killed in Vietnam or gay porn star? Actually, in, in Bosnia. It's there all very go. sad. They never found the guy who did it. All right, there you go. Peter Carlin from the Oregonian, ladies and gentlemen. And listen to this little, bless him. this little snippet that Peter Paddock, or Peter Paddock, that Chris Paddock sent me. Hungry for a big honey taste. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. And then it's just nothing but blood and stitches, not, kids. I, honestly, I would have been scared if I was a kid because it's all these kids in a treehouse, and then all of a sudden this giant is in there. A huge guy looking into your treehouse? Yes. It is almost as though the, the writer of that commercial might have been uh, subconsciously projecting something onto the screen. Maybe they were working through an issue. Tell me, where did the giant touch you in the treehouse? Well, I... Uh, right. It would explain why they were always so obsessed with holding it up against the ruler and trying to show you how big it was. Uh, before we do anything else, I want to clarify this geek point. So we got an email. A guy sent us an email uh, earlier today, and he was asking about this line of toys that he thought only he remembered. And he was talking about, he said, 86 or so. And he said, I thought I remembered a toy line called Insectosaurs, which were some sort of insect-dinosaur-warrior hybrid. And he said, they may also have been Transformers, but I can't remember. He couldn't find it on Google, and he said that nobody seemed to remember. So Chris Paddock, as he always does, just dashed back into his memory banks and onto the Internet and found this. They were, in fact, called Sectowers, Warriors of Symbion. I think they were overthinking children's toys back in 1986, because really, if the whole if the whole shtick of it is it's like a gun that turns into like a praying mantis or something, you really don't need backstory. Were children really demanding some sort of a, no, 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 but what did they do before they were insects on Earth that turned into metal bots that were also flamethrowers? They were a line of action figures released by Coleco in 1984. So there you go. They were Sectowers, Warriors of Symbion. And by the way, the lead sector was Dargon. I swear to God, I'm not making this up. Dargon, Prince of the Shining Realm. He is bonded with a flying steed, Sarah, called Dragonflyer, which has biting action. His weapons included a broadscale sword, a shield, twin Vengans, and a slazor. Vengans and Slazer, by the way, that was the morning show they were going to hire if they didn't get us. That's fantastic. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. A Spokane woman buys a couch and finds a cat inside. Vicki Mendenhall brought the couch home and has had to relax and watch a little television. So she's lying back on the couch and feels something scratching at her backside. Well, it turned out she pulls the couch away and finds a cat inside the couch. She contacted Value Village where she bought the couch, but the store had no information about the cat. So she had the information put on TV. Sure enough, Bob Killian of Spokane showed up to claim the cat after an acquaintance alerted him of the TV story. Killian had donated the couch 
February 19th, and his nine-year-old cat, Callie, disappeared around the same time. To me, people who are, and I may not be disrespected to cat owners, but to me, people who are really into their particular cat are like people who are really into their particular brand of cigarette. And I'm sure that there is a difference. I mean, I'm sure that any number of smokers would tell you that there is. You wouldn't uh, smoke a cat. I, well, probably not, Tim. Not unless it was, you know, late at night. You didn't feel like getting out of bed and going to the store. I'm just saying that people would probably tell no, 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 there's a difference between Camel Straits and Marlboro Reds. And the difference is the following. But I think those are all just very academic. I think those are differences that people convince themselves of so that, you know, you know because everybody sort of has, you know, had brand loyalty or whatever. That is, there really is just one cat, many faces, as Ice Cube might say. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, did you hear about this? Michael Jackson's 50 comeback concerts in London sold out. Sold out. Originally, he was starting with 20. And then slowly, he increased to 50 concerts in London. Hundreds of thousands of tickets were made available to registered fans earlier this week. Ahead of the general release, no more tickets are available. Just so the, he's playing 50 shows? 50 shows. But that's, but that, but that's not true. That that's has to be a lie. That's he's, a fake. 50 comeback one. concerts in London. But first of all, London's the size of a stamp. London is the size of the studio. There's, London is huge. Where would, uh, yeah, but, but you know what I mean? But relatively speaking, uh, I guess my point is, like, th- there aren't 50 venues, unless he's just going to be playing, like, pubs. Like right, right today, the Michael Jackson will be playing behind the deli so counter at Schmendrick's. Is he at Wembley Arena? He's at the O2 Arena. Okay. He's doing 50 shows at the O2 Arena? Yeah. Doesn't that place hold like like 80,000 people? I don't know. That's a lot. That, let's, let's say, because that's the place that Zeppelin did their reunion a couple years ago. How many, does anybody have any idea how many people the O2 Arena holds? No, I've never let's, been there. Let's just say 10,000, and I know it's more than that. Mm-hmm. Let's say 10,000. 50 shows times 10,000 is... Uh, let's see, that's 50 times, wait, hold on. I'm going to be impressed. 500,000. He's playing for 500,000 people. I mean, unless they're just sort of assuming that everybody in Europe will go to the O2 arena to see him in that one place. Is this like one of those, I hate to be this guy. Is this one of those things where he really is huge, like, you know, insert country here, like, like the Jerry Lewis or Mazatlan or someplace. No, no, no. He is, uh, no, no, no. He's huge. I just can't picture that many people wanting to see him. I, I, I mean, not even as like a freak show sort of a thing, especially because the reason you would go to see Michael Jackson at this point is just to, you want to be there for the day that, I don't know, like sort of like the Bondo or whatever they've got in his face doesn't quite hold, and large sections of his visage just begin falling to the floor like the, like the dreams of his career. And if you're like way back in the, I mean, even with a Jumbotron, you probably wouldn't be able to, to, to see his face half-lifing away, and that's the reason you want to go. All right. I suspect that's a fabricated a story. story. Yes, I I don't really uh, I don't really know that I have much faith in the veracity of that tale, but what do I know? Here's Tim Riley. Time for some sound bites. Just ahead of the monkey watch, by the way. Hulk Hogan did some verbal wrestling with his estranged wife's divorce lawyer following a court hearing in Florida. Hogan and attorney Raymond Rafool exchanged some heated words. Wait, where would that happen, Tim? Florida. <laughs> That was me right there. They exchanged some heated words after a hearing that detailed the financial dealings of the wrestler whose real name is Terry. Mr. Balea, are you going to wrestle with me here? Are you going to come across the cameras? Then be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. That guy ought to be... your time to talk. Wow. Boy, that guy ought to be pummeled savagely with words. That guy... Can you play that soundbite one more time? I'll take the most irritating thing I've heard all week for a thousand... Are you going to wrestle with me here? Are you going to come across the cameras? Then be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. You had your time to talk. You're done. Is, is the guy being represented by a toucan? Oh That's going to end up in a promo. Seriously, boy, that is, <laughs> there ought to be just a, just, just a savage beating of that guy with words. Here's Tim Riley. 
We can play that all weekend during every break on KUF. Mr. Balea, are you going to wrestle with me here? Are you going to come across the cameras? Then be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. You had your time to talk. You're done. Boy, that guy. Why? Why? That, that guy should be set on fire with words. With words. <laughs> this email says, Rick, the difference between Camerals and Marlboros is the Camels have an all-cotton filter while Marlboros have a fiberglass filter. Really? So you're, is that just because it's not quite lethal enough? No, no, no. How can I make this? Do you have something with an asbestos filter? Maybe an asbestos filter that's been soaked in strychnine? I thought fiberglass was just in menthols. But I don't know. Why would you have a fiber? So you're smoking it through glass, which is weird. Anyway, so that, uh, that matters to some people who tend to get drunk and light the wrong end of their cigarette. Duly noted, sir. Done and done. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we'll do... Uh, are we doing the monkey watch? Double and monkey then, watch. All right. Then we'll get caught up. Ladies and gentlemen, here is your double monkey watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Now I'm going to have that lawyer's head stuck in my uh, in my brain all day like some sort of a bad pop song. Mr. Balea, are you going to wrestle with me here? Are you going to come across the cameras? Then be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. You had your time to talk. You're done. God almighty. Now with the monkey watch. Uh, first, kind of good news. Peter Tork is back home. The Harper newspaper said the former monkey was released from the hospital. A week after undergoing surgery, he is expected to follow up on his operation with radiation therapy. The 60 pop idol, oh, the 60 pop idol had received a lot of support. Probably said. also 60. That's really least. keeping his spirits up. So, uh, Peter Torque the monkey. How old is he anyway? It doesn't actually say how old Peter Torque is. And he had, uh, they said it was cancer of the, yeah. of the, it was like head cancer or something. Mm-hmm. It's a rare type. Right. Wow, I can't even pronounce three long words. But the, that's what he has. When they say it's the when they say it's the rare type of cancer, though, it doesn't seem like that's just superfluous information. I mean, when you have cancer, really all that's just a that's a pass fail course. Cancer is when you have there's no there's no grading on a curve. That's either going to kill you dead or it's not. It's like when they say no no no. Well, this is a very rare kind of cancer. Like what that is information with which you can do nothing. Just say, look, should I be should I begin reading pamphlets or can I stick with novels for now? And the minute they tell you to move to like a leaflet, that's uh, you know that's what you know. Long-tailed macaque monkeys uh, teach their babies to clean their teeth. That, according to a new study that saw uh, that females slow down and go through their motions once they notice their young monkey children watching them. <laughs> yes. Young monkey children. Young monkey children. What do they even floss with? How, what did, what would it, with what? They're flossing with human hair. I don't even I don't understand this story, but I'm terrified by it. What do you mean there's a monkey flossing with human hair? This is right next to the Buddha shrine. Realize that I'm still in the confused. town of Loberry, Thailand. This is where the monkey flossing is going on. I now worship, what? worshippers see the monkeys. <laughs> yes. Why do they give? Why? Where are the monkeys getting the human hair? I'm looking. Here. And don't just say from humans. I mean, are people giving? Is it like a donate your hair to? Is this I like imagine you, it's like a, a human hair warehouse. Is this something? like? Is this like locks of love where you're yeah, giving it to like the bald cancer kids? Uh-huh. We need to collect your hair so that monkeys may floss their teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, this story it is nature's natural floss. We should end this story now because it's frightening me. All right. Rick Emerson radio again, program. Monkeys are learning to floss with human hair. The next step is finding Sarah Connor. And this is all true. Still to come, Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com talking about Tales of the Black Freighter, which is the directed DVD Watchmen uh, spinoff, which or the spinoff, but the story within a story that hit the shelves this week. And uh, we'll do the top five saddest TV theme songs. Of all time. It's the Rick Emerson radio program on Rock 101 KUFO. Macaque. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. This is the Rick Emerson Show. On Rock 101 KUFO. Indeed. It is Friday morning. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. By the way, 
I hold here in my hands this bit of information. This is from Eric Rick. This is as of yesterday. Uh, Rick, your podcast is currently 57th on the comedy top 100 podcasts on all of iTunes. There you go. In your face, everybody who's not 1 through 56. That's awesome. That's that is cool. awesome. It is. <laughs> and this is only day two. That's right. We're like a massive uh, laugh-filled obelisk, Tim. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Rock 101, KUFO 503-733-2970. Just ahead, Aaron Geek in the City Duran talks about Tales of the Black Freighter, which is the new direct-to-DVD Watchmen uh, flick. So has he, has he seen amusement. it yet? He has indeed. So we'll talk about that. We'll do the top five saddest TV theme songs of all time. Uh, we'll get these uh, calls here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program, sir and madam, as the case may be. Hello to you. Howdy. Hey. I'm glad to hear you guys on uh, FM finally, so I can hear you all the way around town, not just here and there. Guy heard us all the way to Olympia yesterday. Awesome, awesome. Day two, and you guys hit your stride and keep on going. Thank you, my friend. Spread the word. Be well. All right, thank you, sir. All right. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello, and good day. Good morning. How Hi. are you? I'm fantastic. How can I? Uh, how can I help you? Well, I have three things. My first thing, I just want to say, I'm so, so, so happy for you guys. Thank you. And thank Tim, you. welcome back. Thank it's, you very much. It, it, it's been a good show without you, but oh, thank God you're back. Well, I'm happy to be back. I especially like a little bit of breathiness that was inserted <laughs> there at the end. Rick Emerson uh, appreciates that. Number two, it, last week I saw all four flavors of Viso Energy on sale at the Walgreens on Northwest 21st in Burnside. So Viso, of course, one of our very fine sponsors. You'll be hearing more about them. And they just uh, launched two new flavors. And then it's a whole it's like a Wonka ticket thing of trying to figure out where those are. So this is where? Uh, the Walgreens on Northwest 21st in Burnside. Excellent. Cases of Viso for $18. Now I have to go there and throw some elbows and get it into my car. Especially excellent. Now. Fantastic. All right. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Number three. Yesterday I caught the last... Two minutes of The Young and the Restless, and Rick, I know how you love soap operas. There was a guy in a furry outfit robbing a bank. That's wonderful. Well, they must stay contemporary, uh, Miss, to, uh, to to keep enrapturing the audience as they do. So the, the soap operas. Look, here's the thing. I just I'm just going to make this one observation about The Young and the Restless and a guy in it. What kind of what was the actual costume? A squirrel. Of course, why not? Um, here's the thing about a guy in a squirrel costume robbing a bank on a soap opera. They're all trying to to, to, to sort of match the level that was said by that uh, that on Passions. There was Timmy, who was that sort of ventriloquist puppet doll thing that came to life. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, oh, really, he he's, died in real life, didn't he? He died in real life, mm-hmm. Sarah. Uh, so he they that really kind of broke new ground in the soap opera world. So they're all trying to find like what is the new Timmy character. Excellent. Yeah. Thank I, you for the update. I might have to start watching it now. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, you spread so the word. Thank you. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. It's Friday. How can I help ye? Hey, guys. Uh, welcome to the FM. Thank uh, you, sir. Awesome. Tim, welcome back. Thank you. It's like we've gone from black and white to Technicolor, Tim. It feels that way, doesn't it? Yes, the next thing I'll be doing the jitterbug and dancing with the munchkin. How can I help you? Well, uh, just a quick idea. I was thinking uh, if you guys uh, started collecting those sounders and mashing them together from Tim's news stories, with, uh, I think it would be cool to hear the... Uh, the lawyer who was just ranting. Oh, the guy, the, uh, the the Hulk Hogan lawyer. Uh, yeah, maybe merge with the woman yesterday who was just with, saying, with like, the, the why, why, why? why. Yeah. Tim really does have, the like, the Spidey sense. He is like, he's like DJ Shadow <laughs> with vinyl, except his vinyl is the sound bite. So, no, he really is. A, he's got the keen sense for that, sir. Uh, yeah. Oh, I most wholeheartedly agree. All right. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, I'll do one more here. And then around the corner, Aaron Duran talks about Watchmen Tales of the Black Freighter on DVD. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What up? Hey, good morning, everyone. Hello there. Who this? Uh, this is Ben. All right. 
Hey, I just had a, a quick question. I, uh, I Are you to speaking watch... to us from inside a concrete warehouse filled with nothing but your voice? Uh, close. It's a, a shop I work at. All right, excellent. Um, I, I saw the Watchmen movie and then read the graphic novel. Yes, sir. What other graphic novels from Alan Moore would you recommend? You know, here's... I, I hate to... Could this have been more of a perfect segue? Uh, are you going to be listening, sir? Uh, yeah. Okay, that was the right idea. If you said no, then I was going to say, well, then then the heck with you. Uh, be listening, because here in mere moments, actually, Aaron Geek in the City Duran will be standing uh, standing in the studio with us. And so your question is, having just read Watchmen, what other uh, novels by Alan Moore, etc., would we recommend? Yes. All right. I'll tell you what, we'll have the answer to that just around the corner when Aaron Duran steps into the studio. Thank you for listening, sir. We'll have the answer in mere moments for you. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Excellent. There you go. I couldn't have asked for a better setup. The guy, the guy did all the he did all the forward promoting for me. Back after this, Aaron Duran and the top five saddest TV theme songs of all time. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Rock 101 KUFO. It is Friday morning. Seven minutes on the right side of eight o'clock. It is an hour and fifty-three minutes ahead of ten a.m. I'm going to mix it up every now and again, and I'm going to let you know how many minutes before the time in some other country occasionally. Once in a while, I'm going to throw in the time in Saudi Arabia, where it is actually, I think, 9 hours and 17 minutes ahead of the rest of the world. Just FYI. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for joining us. Still to come today, we will have the top five saddest TV theme songs of all time. Now, top five saddest TV theme songs of all time, plus more news from Tim Riley. What stories are you working on at the moment, Mr. Riley? What stories? Ten children accidentally served windshield wiper fluid instead of Kool-Aid. Stephen King's IT is heading back to theaters. That's the one about the, uh, never mind, dumb joke, skip it. $2.6 million in a lottery jackpot still unclaimed here in the state of Oregon. Fantastic. And Sesame Street cuts 67 employees. Okay. Who knew 67 people worked for Sesame Street? Especially because every time you tune in, they're just doing that loaf of bread, stick of butter, quarter milk thing that they made back in like 1967. Did you hear that Cookie Monster doesn't eat cookies anymore? That's a lie, see, though. That's an urban legend. That's Is it? Okay, because somebody told me that. They augment his diet with uh, with fruits and vegetables now, but he does still eat cookies. Here's the thing. Because, Vegetable monster? No, because well, he, he's a sort of an omnivorous monster now, but omnivorous, okay. because... Here's the thing, because somebody told me the same thing, Sarah. They were like, you know, Cookie Monster, it's political correctness gone mad. He doesn't even eat cookies. And I just instantly became apoplectic about it. I went to, like, nuclear scorched earth anger. I was like, that's a bunch of crap. Revolution now. And then I went online, and apparently he does eat cookies. Sparingly. Every Well, as you know, Tim, they're part of his nutritious breakfast. So uh, apparently when he has orange juice, toast, and spread occasionally, cookie as well. Let's welcome now to so the. He probably uh, has a secret cookie collection like like Chris does. Now he eats them now and then he uh, and then he just throws up in the Oscars can, and then somebody else has to brush off his fur. And then Meredith Baxter Burney plays him in the television movie M Lifetime. Bam! Let's welcome now to the Rick Everson Show from GeekInTheCity.com. Aaron Duran. Hello, sir. Hello. Are you going to ask for party? shame? No, this is how I look now. Tim hasn't seen me. Um, oh, I thought you were wearing a fake beard. So this no. is the look he's committed oh, to now. This sounds like casual day at work. No, there is no casual day at my work. Uh, we should say that Aaron Duran has, uh, he's got this full-on, uh, like, Ginsburg beard, yes. which is great, so. I think the last time it. you saw Aaron, his hair was reversed. Like, none on his face and a lot on his head. <laughs> it looks like he'd be lecturing on communism somewhere. It, you know exactly. what you look like? Dude. Revolution. I, no, no, no. I figured it out. 
this is exactly what Aaron Duran looks like. Because sometimes you know, people go like, you know, on radio, I thought you looked one way, and then you look I mean, another apart way. Apart from hot, right? Or, yes. Or when we have, it's usually a female guest, and we'll say, you know, what celebrity do they most closely resemble? You know what you look like? And I'm going to say this, and everyone knows it's true. You look like that Wooly Willy guy, where it's the plastic thing with the metal shavings, oh, with the metal shavings? and the metal yeah. pen, the magnetic yeah. pen you can move those. the beard around. Yeah. You are Wooly Willy. No, oh, I've been told that one, yeah. 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 All right, there you, you know, go. No, it's still better than an old John Lovitz, so. Yeah, well, that's, that's true. Not even John Lovitz wants to be an old John no. Lovitz. Yeah, but I used there was a time. Uh, all right, so uh, we are going to talk about Tales of the Black Freighter, which is the direct-to-DVD Watchmen yes. uh, product that just came out. That and Under the Hood, we'll talk about... Is it escape from which mountain? Uh, race to which mountain? Race to which mountain? Why would you be racing toward which mountain? Everybody's trying to get away from there. Doesn't uh, make any sense. They, well, because that's where the that's where the plot is. Yeah, that's where the. Uh, is that the movie with the Rock in it? He's he's Dwayne Johnson now. He can no longer oh. legally be called the Rock. Why not? Uh, because uh, Vince McMahon, because Vince McMahon will you know punish his children. Because the Rock was his WWE wrestling name. Yeah. And Vince McMahon doesn't let anything go. That's, and uh, because the Rock doesn't flinch when kids hit him. Unlike Dwayne Johnson. Fantastic. Uh, before we do anything else, let's get this. Hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello, hi. Hey, so, Rick, I, I'm kind of disappointed. I love the show. I'm glad you guys are on FM, but you couldn't quote one Alan Moore book when the guy calls in and tells me, hey, give me a good Alan Moore book. It, it's disappointing. Well, here's why. Uh, who wants to figure out why I didn't do that? Anyone? Anyone? You didn't want to step on Aaron's toes? It's because Aaron was coming up in like two minutes. And really, here's the thing. You know what it is? It's... It would be like asking Salieri to play you a concerto when Mozart was coming down the hall. He was just in the John, sort of finishing up and had to zip. It, it should be like automatic. It should be like programmed in. You should say, hey, Alan Moore. You say, Batman the Killing Joke. It should just burst out like, hey, Ozzy Osbourne. That crazy train. It should just come out. No it's recognition just... that I just made a Salieri reference right now. Yeah, just step no all over that. <laughs> you do have well, his nose. All right. <laughs> yeah, goodbye. It's 503-733-2970. So, Aaron Duran... <laughs> Should I name off some Alan Moore books, maybe? You know, you know what? Now you I'm should. not gonna. No, 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 you have to, because it's oh. not for this guy. It's this guy who called from the warehouse. Oh, okay. So uh, the guy who's, you know, he's like, hey, I went to uh, see Watchmen. Liked it a lot. It's like, what other uh, books, Alan Moore stuff, should I be reading? Uh, for some Alan Moore stuff, you're going to want to pick up, uh, if you saw the movie a couple years ago, you're going to want to pick up the graphic novel V for Vendetta, which he wrote uh, right around the same era that he wrote Watchmen. Uh, so V for Vendetta. Uh, I found V for Vendetta too wordy. Uh, well, yeah, Alan I Moore. like uh, more explosions. Honestly, no, it's just so dense. Like I loved Watchmen, but like V for Vendetta is like really, really dense. Oh, I yeah. should actually say. And to be fair, hey, guy who just called in and was trying to get all up in my grill about whatever. Speaking of wordy, when I when I read the Alan Moore graphic novel From Hell, damn that book. That is a thing. And I have to say, when I say I read it, I, I mean I got about halfway through it. And I, it's not even that it was too wordy. It's just it was bleak. It was just reading From Hell, which is a Jack the Ripper graphic novel that Alan Moore did, which they then made into the Hughes Brothers film From Hell yeah. with Johnny Depp and Heather Graham, which I quite like. Which I really like, actually. I yeah. like the movie From Hell. I really do. Um, see, now I feel compelled to point out like who the gaffer was. So some guy didn't call up and go, I question your credibility. <laughs> Um, but I like the movie a lot. Man, I was reading uh, Court and Bobby, and I were talking, and they're like, oh, you got to check out From Hell, you know, the graphic novel. I'm like, well, I heard it was kind of bleak. And they're like, well, it's pretty bleak, but you'll like it. Oh. It, watching it, it was just like, you know what it is? It was like, it was like uh, some sort of a pen and ink dementor, you know? Like it was a pen, ink, and paper version oh, yeah, of a no, thing that just sucks out your joy. It's ugly and mean and terrible. And by about, yeah, you get about a quarter through it, and you're like, well, yeah. 
if I continue to read this, I've got to seriously question my own morality. Seriously. <laughs> it was like I felt like I needed a lithium prescription or something just to read yeah, it. So no, I mean, it's it was great, good, but, but I didn't get all the way through it. Yeah. So V for Vendetta uh, from Hell, from although Hell. it's bleak. What else? Yeah, if you want to get into the superhero genre, yes, Alan Moore wrote was considered one of the greatest Batman graphic novels of all time, Batman the Killing Joke. Which is uh, great as well. Yeah, yeah, he wrote The Killing Joke. Uh, as something else in the superhero genre, he wrote this great little short uh, miniseries called Whatever Happened to the Man of Steel, um, which is a really interesting look at Superman. What's really cool right now is that DC, about a year ago, put out a book called The Works of Alan Moore, and it collects all the kind of little short runs he did within the DC universe, so stuff for Superman, Batman, Challengers of the Unknown, which is just Science awesome. and technology. Um so then, if you want to branch out into kind of his more esoteric works, this should come as shock to no one. Alan Moore is a huge fan of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and Aleister Crowley. Well, who isn't, honestly? <laughs> I'm really more of a Thoth man myself. Yeah, so but... he, loves to, he loves to take um, Lovecraft's work and Crowley's theories on sex, magic, or whatever, and turn them into graphic novels. Excellent. When he's not, you know, making leather tunics for sale at a rent fair. <laughs> I was just going to say, when he's, uh, I'm in my basement right now, fashioning a dragon hand of pewter that shall hold a crystal ball. Yeah. And if you really want to get into the mind of Alan Moore, go uh, check out the DVD, The Mindscape of Alan Moore, and you will learn just how much of a crotchety old bastard he is, but in the most glorious of ways. Also, you can pick up a book called Tenacity of the Cockroach, which is a collection of all the Onion, the onion newspaper. They, you know, they do interviews with people in the thing called the AV Club. And it's just sort of these weird kind of guys on the periphery of the entertainment world. They're all collected in this book, Tenacity of the Cockroach, like Stan Freeberg, Henry Rollins, Weird Al, Penn and Teller, and Alan Moore, who's great, kind of a bastard, but in the best way. Oh, and, yeah. then, and then speaking of being a bastard in the best way possible, Tuesday, that guy was saying he liked the Watchmen movie and he loved, uh, you know, he wants to read the book. Tuesday saw the release of Tales of the Black Freighter on yeah. DVD. And Tales of the Black Freighter is a story within a story in Watchmen, which is bleak to say the least. Oh, it is dark and ugly. It's very much done in the EC comic style. People that don't know that that was like uh, Tales from the Crypt, Vault, you know, of, Vault Horror. of Horror. Yeah. It was the book that start that Tales from the Crypt and the EC comics was the those were the comics that made comics go ahead of you know go before Congress and promise that they weren't going to be destroying the youth of they America. They really resulted in the comics code, yeah. which for a long time regulated the content. That was all because of, of EC and Tales of the Black Freighter seems to be kind of. Uh, out of that mold. It really is. And this is what's very cool about Tales of Black, Black Freighter is that it is 100% hand animation done very much in the EC comic style. So if you ever kind of dug those old Tales from the Crypt covers and whatnot, uh, Tales of Black Freighter is animated in that style. And it's, it's definitely an R animated feature. And it's too bad they didn't give it a limited theatrical release so it could be up for running for like best wow. animated short because it is very, very good. Um, Gerard Butler is the voice of the Black Freighter, the, uh, the Leonidas, you know, the lead Spartan. Okay, that might get me. He doesn't that. scream as much in this one. No, he just sort of weeps a lot and then, yeah, you know, and then lashes then. a lot of corpses together. Yeah. Uh, the other half of that DVD, I think, is actually a 60-minute style real-life filming. They've taken the book Under the Hood, which yeah. is in Watchmen, which is sort of a you know an expose about the superheroes and they've um, you know of the of the Minutemen, and they've they've made it into. A sort of standalone. Yeah, it's really cool because they interviewed all the characters, you know, and all the actors in character. So, you know, when they're talking about, you know, Silk Spectre, um, she's the actress is in character. So she is Silk Spectre. Yeah, and it's kind of like a 60 minutes expose on superheroes in the 1930s and 40s. It's pretty righteous. And then just to bring us back around to the beginning, why is The Rock in a movie? I'm sorry. Why is Dwayne Johnson in a movie where he's flinching when children are hitting him? Well, to be fair, the the, alien, the children are super powered aliens. Okay. He's, it's, a, it's a remake of the, the quote, classic uh, Disney film 
Escape from Witch Mountain, which I remember loving as a little kid, but I think I should stay in my memory. I don't yeah. want to go back and revisit that. No, stuff doesn't really hold up. Um, that was soundbite from that movie. Really? Yeah, right maybe here. just let the soundbite get in. Do we have it queued uh, up here? Dwayne Johnson. All right. Here, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Dwayne The Rock Johnson in Race to Witch Mountain. Kids get into my cab, and they're already being chased, by the way, by uh, our government. They're being chased by uh, the Siphon, who's this incredible hunting machine from another planet and they get in my cab and the race begins and and that's when the collision of two worlds takes place yeah, yeah it sounds fantastic yeah. you know what i mean i i still like the guy he's got a lot of charisma but he's got to knock this off well, we, remember when he was right on the cusp of the, becoming an action the star? problem with dwayne johnson in my opinion is he's fallen into and has really only worked when schwarzenegger was doing it he's fallen into that trap of he's the big strong tough guy Therefore, they want to get the, the juxtaposition of him in the comedic role, which again worked when Schwarzenegger was doing it. You got the kindergarten cop, you got the yeah. twins, you got the junior to some degree. Uh, you know, Schwarzenegger was playing a funny guy, and it sort of worked. But the problem is they've just tried to, to Xerox that. They were doing it with Will Smith too, mm-hmm. where he's got so much charisma that he feels like he doesn't really have to, you know, act or pick a, pick a good script. So it just avoid that. Don't don't. Yeah, I mean, he's got. I mean, I remember watching. Uh, well, they even had the. Uh, the literal, you know, handoff of the action genre in the film The Rundown, which I actually kind of dig. It's not that bad of a film. It just seems like Where it. Schwarzenegger and Dwayne Johnson pass each other, and Schwarzenegger says, it's, you know, go for it. It's all yours Use now. this to make a terrible uh, reimagining of a bad Disney film. Yes. We'll take a break. Back after this on the other side, we will do the top five saddest TV theme songs of all time. Top five saddest TV theme songs of all time. More from Aaron Duran, Tim Riley at the news desk. This is The Rick Emerson Show. You're listening to Rock 101 KUFO. already. Was there a pirate yell at the end of that? That's a little strange. Is there a, are we playing an idea or a legal or something that has a pelican at the beginning of it? I heard that some kind of squawking. I Maybe that's what the pirate's for. Yeah, I swear to God, <laughs> they were... It's a pirate theme show now. It was right before it started right. eating his memories. It's 503-733-2970. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Rock 101 KOFO. We're here with Sarah X. Dillon, Richie Bristol, Tim Riley, as well as Aaron Geek in the city, Duran. In just a, a second here, we'll roll today's top five. Top five most depressing TV theme songs of all time. Uh, Tim Riley is working on a few stories for your knowledge later on. Tim? Breaking news, a violent sex offender has just escaped the Portland Treatment Center. William Dale Surrett is 40 years old. He has a long history of fantasizing about mutilating others. He could be anywhere, but has ties to Forest Grove, Hillsborough, Aloha, and Beaverton. Good God, I didn't really anticipate that that would... I was thinking it would be sort of like, you know, there's traffic is slowing down somewhere. Okay, well, where is that at? It could be anywhere. He escaped from a Portland Treatment Center this morning. All right, well, there you Fantasies go. Fantasies about... Mutilation. I'm going to just take five seconds of silence where we do nothing. And then after that, I'm going to take five seconds of this. That's a reset. Here's your top five for Friday. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? 
Ladies and gentlemen, will you please give your attention to Tim Riley, who has today's top five. And there is no greater unifier than the wondrous device known as the television. Across time, space, and generations, the glass box in your living room transports you to a world of laughter, information, and from time to time, soul-crushing depression. Sometimes it only takes about 60 seconds. These are the top five most depressing TV theme songs of all time. With honorable mention going to Hill Street Blues. And before I play this, I'll just say that the reason this is an honorable mention is because this song isn't really as depressing as you remember it being. Everybody remembers the Hill Street Blues theme song being a real buzzkill. And it's not so much. It's just the first few seconds. And then that Mike Post, like, 80s thing kicks in. Because Aaron's miming the garage door coming up. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's a very iconic You being all shiny. And then the cars are Uh going off in each direction. But then... Yeah, that's full on. Good morning, New York City. Everybody's out there in that bumper-to-bumper commute getting on those subways. Or I remember hearing this on the radio, but I never watched the show. Yeah, you know, the show's okay. I mean, it's it's an embryonic version of some of the gritty cop shows that we have today. But at the time, it was yeah. a big leap forward. And it did give us Beverly Hills bunts, by the way. So, I mean... Not as good as Barney Miller. No, not well, enough. Man, I got to tell you, Barney Miller, you ask cops, cops themselves will tell you that Barney Miller is one of the most realistic cop shows ever put on television. Yep. All right. These are the top five most depressing TV theme songs of all time. Tim Riley? Number five, MASH. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a total. Wait. Plonk. And wait. Ah. The mash. Nah, that's not really what it is. Hold on a second. I've got it right here. Just talk amongst yourselves for a second. So, one of my favorite TV. I'm impressed that you rode your bike in today. I ride my bike every. I haven't. I didn't ride it for like the last month because I was sick, and then the bike was sick. So. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, I'm back to riding my bike every day. I rode mine yesterday. Look at us being healthy. Well, that's fantastic. Microsoft has decided it doesn't really have the codec to play this thing that I've been uh, playing forever. So I'd we'll play it some other. Like to th- mm-hmm. I'd like to thank uh, I'd like to thank Microsoft for making it easier every single day to uh, hate Microsoft. Boy, this is just a big buzzkill of a song too, and especially because it's all suicide is painless, and then it's that shot over radar's shoulder of the choppers coming in and whatever. Yeah. And even though they, and you can tell that they must have known it was a big downer, because they re, uh, you know, they they rearranged it for television, where it's the big brass section at the end, and it ends on a big up. Yeah. But I mean, it really, just can't. You cannot mask uh, just the inherent melancholy of this song. I love this show so much. God, I hated this show. Really? Yeah. Fight now. Come on. I can't remember um, what was on before, but I remember there was a show that I really liked that was on before it, and I associate oh. this music with the end of a show that I like. All right, so you had to, there was a juxtaposition. Yeah, and I'd always have to change the channel because this music just drove me nuts. Oh, not me. I loved it. When I worked at Walmart, I used to open every day with this song, and <laughs> the management were not pleased. <laughs> wow, way to just go all the way to the end. Aaron Duran, ladies and gentlemen. This is, uh, this is the uh, top five most depressing TV theme songs of all time. Number four, Welcome Back, Cotter. Yes, indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Welcome Back, Cotter. John Sebastian singing this song. This is just a bit, this is a, a bit different in the sense that the song itself isn't that depressing, except it is so in my head coupled with the cityscape of Brooklyn that they're showing. And it's just a unicycle at the end. And, it, and nothing, and of course at that time in New York City, just bombed out buildings and death everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Just sadness and bagels from, you know, one end to the other. That's all it was. I mean, you know, plus there's something to be said for the fact that the guy, uh, you know, he's in, he's in, you know, what is he in the Bronx or Brooklyn? Uh, Bronx. Bronx. I think it's Bronx. Yeah, it is the Bronx. Yeah. 
But, you know, as he struggles, he was the original sweat hog, as he himself says, gets all the way out, goes to college, betters himself, and then comes back and is teaching in the same dump that he escaped before. Teaching Kids, for the losers. You're, you're teaching, teaching the rejects. Kids, your dreams will lead you only to pain. Mr. Carter. Please don't do that. Sorry. Paddock does a really good horseshack. These are the top five most depressing TV theme songs of all time. The Young and the Restless. Yeah. This is almost cheating because this is a previously existing song, right? This is Nadia's theme. Yeah. Boy, what a... I can play this on the piano. Can you? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that hard. I mean, Laura remembers it as the show that was shot right across the hallway from The Price is Right at CBS Television City. Oh. Interesting sort of bedmates there in a television sense. Mm-hmm. Also, doesn't this have the lipstick logo? Doesn't it say Y-R? Yeah, Y-R. And it's all with the... Why do I know that? Jesus. Uh, it, was a, it was the first thing to use that font. This is totally like the... We're sorry. The cancer is irreversible at this point. All there is now are goodbyes. And then, you know, and then they go like, Revlon presents... God Almighty, these are the top five most depressing TV theme songs of all time. What better way to end the work week? Tim Riley? <laughs> Number two, The Waltons. Yeah. Now this is uh, Earl Hamner Jr. created this television program. This is where you got the, like, all the sepia tone uh, shots of the family. Mm-hmm. I hated this show so much. I, you know, here's the thing about it. This is like Sarah n- disliking MASH. I don't know why you dislike The Waltons. My mom loved the Waltons because my mom grew up in, uh, to some degree, in cir- circumstances that were similar to this. And to my mom, it was sort of like it was a uh, look back at her the childhood depression. or whatever. But yeah, yeah but, it, but, but, but I mean, yeah, the depression, that was my thing, right? Sit down, it's time to watch a dirt poor family with no teeth struggling through the depression. Come on. I hated the show because of Battle Beyond the Stars. <laughs> okay. John Boy also played the hero in that one, so I always expected him to be like a science fiction hero. Then I watched the Waltons and I'm like, who is this? Yanty on here that can't kill aliens. You want, you want to see the guy from the Waltons playing something weird? You want to watch the Hank Williams Jr. story, which is living proof. The story of Hank Jr., which is a bad, bad, bad made-for-TV movie they'll show on CMT. And it's John Boy Walton in, like, the fakest-looking beard you have ever seen in your life, trying to act like he's a badass. Doesn't work. Still can't cover that mole, either. No. These are the top five most depressing TV theme songs of all time. Tim Riley, what might number one be? Number one is The Incredible Hulk. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got to get that too. There we go. I just want to walk away and try to avoid the world. <laughs> Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And I think this song is called The Lonesome Man. It is called, yes, it is. My favorite episode of The Incredible Hulk was the time that he almost... They, they did this at least twice in the series that I can remember, where he came literally, not figuratively, like an inch from the cure, yeah. because he discovered another guy who had somehow been afflicted with the same sort of syndrome, and the guy had a vial, a syringe, that was going to cure the Hulkism or whatever, and then at the last moment morphed into the Hulk and angrily smashed it, and Banner's all, No! On that note, No! In the news with Tim Riley. Be on the lookout for a dangerous and violent sex offender who's on the loose. Escape from a Portland treatment center moments ago, 40-year-old William Dale Surratt has a long history of fantasizing about mutilating others. He could be anywhere, but he has ties to Forest Grove, Hillsboro, Beaverton, and Aloha. The Vancouver Police Department needs your assistance. Somebody broke into a car at a gym, stole a wallet, and then went shopping. Vancouver police say somebody's been breaking into health club parking lot cars up and taking valuables left in the vehicles. Don't leave anything valuable in your vehicle in Vancouver. 
Or, or exactly. just, I mean, well, I mean, that's a relative value, just I suppose. Just in general. I, but also, the, 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 maybe they would just start asking me, like, I've actually gotten to the point where if somebody asks me for ID when I use a credit card, debit card, whatever, they say, can I see your ID? And I say, thank you for asking. Because it unnerves me. Then I won't say where, but Laura and I were out shopping a while back, and it was like, it was like, you know, a, a, a fair chunk of money. It was like 50, 60 bucks, something like that. Woman just like shh, runs it through, sign the thing, here you go, good to go. And sometimes it's like, you don't even, have you noticed this? Sometimes you don't have to sign it. Sometimes they'll run the thing through, and not only are they not asking you for ID, like you don't even need your signature. Like you just sort of like, uh, you know, you, you just sort of wave your credit card at them, and they go, ah, that's fine, that's fantastic. Attention, Sarah Dillon, Misha Barton has been signed for a CW drama pilot called A Beautiful Life. It's about a group of models who are living together in New York City. In A Beautiful Life, the Roberto Benigni Holocaust thing? I thought a beautiful... Oh, that, I'm thinking of a beautiful mind. Never mind. I don't even know what we're talking about a now. Wonderful Life is Jimmy Stewart. You're thinking of Life is Beautiful. Stop it! <laughs> all right. See, look, all of us had something to bring to the table with that one. Smile a while. Scientists say that artificial life could be created within five years. Pamela Anderson is just four or five surgeries away. That's today's is that final morning comedy? show joke. Yeah. You know, you said that for a second, and I was trying to calculate in my head, what are the odds that that was one of the prepared jokes that came across the fax machine with the prep service? And what are the odds that Tim might have actually created that himself, and what's going to happen if I laugh? But then I realized you would never say something that lame, Tim. Uh, Aaron Duran, geekinthecity.com. What, what are the haps, as the kids say? The haps right now is the new episode of Geek in the City Radio is up at geekinthecity.com. Uh, Jason Crump and Scott Daly interview Clay Enos. Uh, he was the photographer behind the Watchmen Portraits book, which is probably one of the only really good Watchmen book tie-ins that's come out lately. Fantastic. So that, and we also review Race to Witch Mountain, and we review some uh, some new action figures, including the Dexter action figure that comes with body parts. That's what I'm Very talking about cool. right there. Yeah. Geekinthecity.com. Don't forget, tonight's Battlestar Galactica screening features Starbuck herself, Katie Sackoff. That's at the Baghdad tonight. Gordon Fatboy. Uh, doors at uh, 9, show with 10, but you want to get there hours before that. Get there early. It is free. Battle starts Baghdad with Court and Fatboy tonight from the Rock of Portland. Rock 101 KUFO. Back after this, kids. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Go nowhere. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program right here on Rock 101 KUFO. Don't forget, smells like the 90s at 9 coming up immediately after this. Solid hour of rock from the 90s featuring everything from... I guess it's an A to Z. Allison Chains to Zombie, comma, Rob, <laughs> slash, what? Period. Anyway, so Buzz has uh, Smells Like the 90s up next. But, of course, coming up this Sunday night at 7 p.m., Sarah Dillon. 7 to 9, uh, the punk show that I host with uh, Lisa Wood. We're going to have um, the lead singer of Millions of Dead Cops on to do his top five uh, favorite punk songs. Also, Tony Alva, a world-famous uh, skater. Of um, the Z Boys and Dogtown, so he's the guy with cool. the uh, the guy with the dreadlocks. The guy with the dreadlocks. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a pretty big deal. I'm pretty excited. So we're recording with um, Tony Alva tomorrow, and then we're gonna have in studio um, Millions of Dead Cops. I can't remember his first name, but super cool guy. The guy. When in doubt, you should just sort of pretend that you have to sneeze as you're introducing. Sneeze. That's what I do. <laughs> um, don't forget tonight, Battlestar Galactica. Katie Sackhoff is gonna be there, and I can't stress this enough. Um, the show is at ten. The doors are at nine. But you, you really ought to be there as early as you possibly can. Of course, it's free. It happens with Court and Fat Boy every Friday. But really, this is this is it. This is the big one because next week is the finale. So that's going to be big in a whole separate way. So that is happening tonight. Battlestar at the Baghdad with Court.
Gordon Fatboy. That is tonight. Uh, and Katie Sackhoff will be there. She'll be doing a Q&A afterwards. So, again, you want to be there earlier rather than later. My chums, mi amigos, mi compadres. So doors are open at 9. The show is at 10 uh, free, but be there early. All right. We are coming up on it. Uh, Tim Riley, um, this is, the, I guess, the time when I would... I, I just did a thing out of habit there. This is the time where I was going to uh, introduce that you'll be on later in the afternoon with news during time like this, which I guess isn't really going to happen. No, that's not going to happen. I went through I went through the entire program with that forward promoting a thing that we don't do anymore because it's on a separate station. Ah, uh, you done good. I pwned by myself. <laughs> All right, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, Lisa Desjardins. We also want to thank Aaron Geek in the City, Duran, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian, and I believe that is all. Also, Chris Paddock, who came in to share his breakfast cereal slash creepy observations with us. The Rick Emerson Show, produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon for Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Riley. Thank you. On the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F with Me Reynolds, executive producer, Christopher J. Paddock. Stay tuned for Smells Like the 90s next on most of these CBS radio stations. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Have a good weekend. We'll see y'all Monday at 5 a.m. Watch out for snakes. That is the frequency. Kenneth. Hungry for a big honey day. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.